This is Han Solo, and you're listening to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. I don't know. Fly casual. Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. Or if you're finding us for the very first time, perhaps in the wake of Star Wars Celebration, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Today I am joined by frequent collaborator, one of my best friends. You know him from a rewatch between worlds here on the podcast feed and the Imperial Senate podcast. It's Nikki Kumar. Hello, my friend. It is a pleasure to be back with you and with the Octo Radio listeners, whether they be new or old. Is it a pleasure? Because I don't know. I feel like we're going through it right now. It's it's definitely more of a pleasure today than it would have been the last three or four oh, yeah. days. Right. Um, so let's address yeah. the elephant in the room. Of uh, course. If you, if you listen to my voice and you're like, it doesn't sound as caramelly as it normally does. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but if you're like, wow, he sounds like crap. Yeah. yeah. So uh, a few of us got afflicted by the old by the old plague, um, <laughs> by the blue shadow virus while we were over at, uh, at Star Wars Celebration. Yep. And I do want to say, of course, everybody that we're friends with and everyone that we collaborate with, we like to keep responsible company. Um, we were all masked, if not double masked, all vaxxed fully, um, everybody doing what they had to do on the floor. Just luck of the draw. I'd say about half of the people we know got it and half didn't. Yeah. You know, immediate friends and uh, outside, you know, to, uh, online friends as well. Right. Um, so We've been recovering, so I had I had taken the content break anyway. Said I wasn't going to make anything while at celebration because I wanted to enjoy it. I stuck to that. Mm-hmm. But there's the added delay now of having this recovery week. So, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. you know, I would have just landed and immediately talked about Kenobi the next morning, but that was not in the cards. Um, but you clicked on this one, so you know that we are talking about Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, at least thus far, the, in a weird way, it worked out. So it's like this is the first half of the series. Mm-hmm. Now, Nikki, talk to me a little bit about sort of the energy going into this just right off the bat, because I mean, it's hard not to incorporate the celebration of it all into our experience because there was speculation that there would be a showing, mm-hmm. but we didn't know until that first day of Star Wars Celebration in California, in Anaheim, and you and I got to be a part of that. Um, so talk about how that sort of build played into your joy with this show. I think... Obviously, even without the notion of a screening with the convention, um, we all sort of knew that based on its release date, we would be watching it in groups, potentially huddled around laptops, HDMI cords in the the hotel TVs. So like there was already this sort of building bubbling thing of, oh, this is this is going to happen while we're there. It kind of felt similar to in Chicago with the Game of Thrones season eight premiere. Mm. Like we kind of knew this was happening. Oh, we're going to be watching this thing. But obviously Star Wars and Star Wars is a little more, they go hand in hand. Um, and is that the only time that there's ever been something new airing during Celebration? At a Celebration? I don't think it's ever even happened with like Resistance no. or like the Celebration's no. always been during the season breaks. Exactly. Yeah. And like obviously animated panels would generally show a first episode um but but yeah nothing was really airing so yeah this is this is definitely a first and i think you know obviously by design uh they they in fact shifted the original air date right 
to line up with celebration. Um, yeah, I think uh, there was already that sort of anticipation. And then as the whispers got a little you know, stronger, as we saw that chunk in the schedule that nobody was talking about, nobody was filling. Yeah, definitely sort of getting a little more exciting. And then, and then even then, when we, you and I were in the Galaxy stage uh, with our group, and I wasn't even sure if we'd get it. I was like, oh, maybe the, maybe the celebration stage people will get the screening, right? But sure enough, they gave they gave it to us as well, and and yeah, I think you know, like you sort of said, it's it's sort of forever linked now. The the experience of Obi Wan Kenobi with the Galaxy stage, hell, even the the show before the show with Amanda Wirtz and <laughs> DJ Atomic Blonde, you know, keeping us hyped for that. Like it's all part of the soup now. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's. And I, I think that's what's extra fun. It, like, I remember thinking about you and I both really value the, the soak it in experience, especially for a first time, right? And I think always sort of nervous about the idea of a watch party. What, do I have to throw something at Charlie Ashby? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you know? like, like, there's that feeling and, and sort of not being sure if I wanted to watch it with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up turning out the best way possible, I think, in that we got that like really good, respectful, quiet thing because everybody in that room wanted to really know what's going on, but punctuated consistently with the moments that are fun to share with the crowd. So yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, dare I say, a, a perfect way to start the show. Yeah, it, it landed emotionally like a movie theater does, which is yeah. what I had hoped for. I, I'd said, if I can watch it in a huge room, great. If I have to watch it, like in a room full of people making content, no disrespect to anybody listening, all of our friends do it. But it's like, I don't need the, is that such and such? Like, I, I don't need that. Um mm-hmm. So it was either intimate, quiet viewing or huge one, if possible. And then it was possible and it was a whirlwind. And it was like, yes, it was at night at seven o'clock, but you were there celebration first day. We did a few panels and then it was like, you got to come back at 530 for that screening. So like we didn't go back to the hotels or no. anything. Like we just, we just got ready and it was magical. I mean, it was, it was like a feeling of a new film coming out and, and they, they really teed it up like a premiere having Dipper Chow there, having of course, Kathy Kennedy, Michelle. Redmond. I think it was right. It was like, it premiere, just yeah. was the world premiere, yeah. uh, which is, which is, I think also really a kind of nice thing they did because it's, you know, you think about whether it's a Marvel movie or star Wars movie and you see the big words world premiere and it's all sort of like who, you know, media, you know, upper levels go, Oh, I got my ticket to the world premiere. Yeah. And Obi-Wan's really got turned into a, an everyman premiere, right? Like mm-hmm. it was, it was the premiere of the people and there, there were media people who didn't get to go um, because their seats were taken by the lottery of chance, you know? And um, I think that that in its own way was kind of special for this series. Um, right. It was, it's a huge launch and they gave it totally to fandom. Yeah. And that was a trend overall with Celebration, which, you know, we can get into at a later date or in other conversations, but it was, you know, not obviously not a perfect situation. There was some streaming issues and some things that happened, but with this premiere, with the surprises surrounding it, with stuff like the Mando experience, like they really embraced the feeling of Celebration is back 
and we missed you too as much as you yeah. missed us. Um, yeah. Which is like, yeah, people can roll their eyes and be like, oh, it's, it's a corporation. It's like, yeah, yeah, huh, we get it. You're very smart for noticing that it's a corporation, but right. like there's still artists. It's still goodwill. And, yeah, it's still goodwill. Right? Like, they gain nothing for it because yeah. like you said, they could have taken this an hour up the road and done it at the L cap or mm-hmm. done it at, uh, you know, the TCL or whatever they wanted to do. They um, could have live streamed that to us at Celebration. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> it would have been like, this is what you get. Here's yeah. your Kellogg's. Here's right. Your Kellogg's <laughs> have your Pringles, have your, have your flakes. No, watch, and cool watch people. Watch us schmooze. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, they, and they chose not to do that. And they, exactly. they used the space effectively. And even letting it be, you know, I, I thought it was a cool gesture to include the Galaxy stage and the Twin Sun stages. Mm-hmm. Um, people that were overflow for that showcase. And so it was just a great kickoff. And as we move into the show, I mean, that positive energy just kept up. So obviously you clicked on this episode, you know, we are doing parts one, two, and three, because one and two came out while we were there. When I said I wasn't going to rush to the hotel to do content, which again, is not a slight on anyone that did it. Shout out to our friends at several different shows, be that Force Center, be that Bro Axiom. Um, I, I think that uh, Pink Milk might have done theirs while they were there, or at least some version of one. Mm-hmm. I have to check Father, Son, Galaxy. Like it's just... Uh, For me, it was like, I know that if I stop vacation to do that, I'm going to sit there editing like I always do, being annoyed that I'm not doing something else. And then I didn't want to have that. Then, of course, you know, we got sick and part three comes out. So here we are (laughs) with a triple episode thing. Um, Because it is triple episodes, we're not going to make this a three hour thing. uh, And we're not going to take you through the beats of all of them. Because if you're listening to this, I have a feeling, you know, the episodes pretty well by now. Yeah, it's a a good note on time and how we're going to structure this episode because we did once spend two hours on one Rick Femiua episode of The Mandalorian. So to that to then think about three Obi-Wan Kenobi episodes. I was like, Jesus, got to get the coffee going here. Um, So yeah, we'll we'll structure this nicely, very, very uh, palatable for, you know, casual listening. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. So where I want to start with all of this, and again, of course, I'm saying we're not going to do them chronologically, but with the thought, of course, of the beginning of the journey, the journey thus far, I mean, it gets to a very, the end of part three is a very uh, classic film serial cliffhanger. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, it feels very Star Wars to have like the surprise to the bad guy and then it ends yeah. uh, with Reva and, and little Leia. Um, let's talk about our characters right up at the top because that's the core of everything. That's what separates Star Wars from so many other things is these iconic roles. The fact that it is over 40 years later and we're getting a key chapter in the life of one of those original 1977 characters with Obi-Wan Kenobi. We don't need to like break down I think the the science of why Ewan McGregor is good because we've been doing that our entire lives and like he just so effortlessly slipped back into this but is there anything that you notice about Ewan in these first three episodes that's different as he's aged it up as he has physically aged in real life as he has taken it to a darker place uh that sticks out at you about this this it's been these days yeah first of all I just want to take two seconds to acknowledge the fact that we are talking about fresh Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's weird. Especially so, yeah. because, well, especially because but you're right. No, it is worth that two seconds because right? it's 10 years since they bought the company. And throughout that entire decade, this has been the, well, of course you have to do that project. Yeah, yeah. This has been the one, not solo. Um, for some people more so than seven, eight, and nine, it was mm-hmm. the, well, Ewan has aged the right amount. 
got to do it. Like, let's see what yeah. happened. And it yeah. was, there was rumblings from the get. So for it to be real, oh. it was very, very surreal. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And I think uh, to answer your original question, also with sort of a, a, a sidestep, I just want to say, we are fathers from Tall, and you're my daughter. <laughs> I just, I, I love, love the it. way, I love the way you enhance those vowels. <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> I, I, the farmers from Tall line definitely sticks out to me. Uh, there's a couple deliveries yeah. throughout, some of them that are Ewan's and, and some of them that are James Earl Jones, question mark. Like, I know mm. there's been some, discuss- someone out there you might know for sure. I haven't seen a quote that confirms that they did robo voice. Mm. I've seen some people say that it's a robotic voice like they did with Luke. Um, I don't know. Invader's kind of the mm. character where you can get away with it. So right. it's like, I've heard some people say that, but he has, I think, the best delivery of Obi-Wan's name that I've ever yeah. heard when he's like, now you will suffer Obi-Wan. Like, yeah. it's such a wide That's why. <laughs> That's why I think it's not Robo. It's a choice. I think right? it is. I think it is James. He's going for it. And the other one, the other one that stuck out to me immediately, where I was like, "This sounds like James Earl Jones in a way that even Rebels and Rogue One did not quite sound the same." Mm-hmm. The way he said, "Sister." Yes. Like yes. that was it. Third sister. Third sister. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man, he's going for it." Anyway, but yeah. the the farmers from Tall, I think, is sort of my way of answering <laughs> your question. Because he is playing it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's very, um, it is, I mean, he's all, there's no no secret. It's the way Ewan's always talked about it. He's like, oh, yes, I'm getting up to Alec Guinness, you know, like, like that's, that's that inching progress that he started in three and is now really working his way towards. And, and yeah, I think there, there is something just a little more like deliberate in his choices in, um, in sort of finding the maturity that's been gained, but it's like maturity bought through cynicism Mm -hmm. and not maturity brought through enlightenment. So it's still like, it's still not there. Um, And that's what's, you know, obviously so cool about what this show can accomplish because it's like, what, what is the journey he goes on to eventually get there? Right. He has the, the years, but there's no warmth. Right. He hasn't gained um, a master's, sort of lightness like it's not the inviting in in fact it's the opposite to see him with nari this young jedi knight played by benny safty mm-hmm. who says outright like master like hello and he's like you have the wrong person like I, I, my name's ben it's off-putting it should be um and we know where he's headed of course in terms of twin sons Right. In terms of Rebels, where Stephen Stanton plays Alec Guinness, like he's fully formed as Master Ben Kenobi um, to see this sort of incomplete version who hasn't had the the emotional breakthroughs to the light is, I think, so important, so needed, because, again, this is one of those shows where much like one of those projects, you know, much like Solo, A Star Wars Story, um, much like any young this character, the, the, the stakes are not in will they make it? Mm-hmm. The stakes are in how do they change? Which yeah. I think is a big thing with the discussions around the show. You, of course, you're going to see those people that roll their eyes and, and scoff and say, well, there's no emotional stakes because I know that Obi-Wan and Leia both make it. And it's like, well, the growth is, suffering is stakes and right. lessons are stakes. And right. so I, I love seeing him in this place. I think Ewan's doing it so well. Um, I think that his performance i mean they set up these moments that like we who really like love and like wax poetic on these stories like you can see sort of like it's Chekhov's gun it's Chekhov's Qui-Gon like you know like i yeah. can't you can't set up in the pilot that he can't break through mm-hmm. 
and he can't. which is a, an interesting like question ha, like has he done it yet um and has is it something that slips in and out or is he not has he spent 10 years trying to crack the code because yeah. this was at the end of render the sith it didn't sound that complicated right like yeah. yoda's like i got Qui-Gon on the phone <laughs> right now you you come over here you listen to him and you got this um so yeah it's, it's really fascinating but uh yeah, yeah. go ahead. No, yeah, just because it's just a great way to set that up for all types of viewers, people that have only seen the movies, people that have been like eagerly on the internet waiting for this show that know every detail of everything and Clone Wars and Rebels and the comics and all that stuff. So it just, um, I think we just, they've handled him being in this place in such a strong way, uh, whether, you know, the whole team. And of course, it's, it's, a, it's Deborah Chow heading this up, which is different for us as people discussing these because for <clears throat> Mandalorian, a book of Boba Fett, it was, oh, who's, who's bringing what flavor this week? Right. Deborah, this is the first time that they've done one of these um, where everyone, someone takes the entire thing. And I think this was the show to do that. Yeah. Um, and the writing situation was not strange by Hollywood standards, but I think it's Star Wars fans have to get used to it. And and, and yeah. Hollywood, this is pretty pretty industry norm. Yeah, it, it's be, a, it actually sounds quite smooth. Right, and then rewriting and everything. And, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. for Star Wars fans, they see more than two names, and they're like, oh, yeah, God. it's like wait, it's not Lord Caston. <laughs> it's in shambles. <laughs> yeah. Um, Joby yeah. Harold, most recent, right, taking it to this version of the scripts. Hussein Amini to help take it from movie. To TV with the the you know the version prior. Uh, there's also a Stuart Beatty. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look up the entire uh, writing credit staff. Yeah, um, there's there's like, a few yeah. like writing teams attributed to a few episodes. I think the only one I like immediately remember. I think Joby has full writing credit for episode two. Yeah. So um, for episode for part one, it's story by Stuart Beatty, who if you've connected the dots in your little Hollywood in Hollywood research, he wrote the movie. Because mm-hmm. um, there was that for people that are playing along at home, the movie would have been Stephen Daldry. <laughs> have you guys got your whiteboards out? Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're drawing the lines here. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Stuart Beatty wrote the movie. They've never outright come and said that, but mm-hmm. there was reports at the time that he was writing this thing. Stephen Daldry attached. So Hussein Amini, teleplay by Joby Harold and Hussein Amini and Stuart Beatty. None of those are ampersands. They're all the word and. So that's yeah. different phases of contribution. Yeah, yep. Uh, part two, story by Stuart Beatty and Hussein Amini, teleplay by Joby, like you were saying. So that's his script through and through off of their ideas. Part three is Joby Harold and Hannah Friedman as a team. Right. And Hussein Amini separately and Stuart Beatty separately. Yeah. And that's straight up story and teleplay. There's no differentiation right. there. So for, for anybody who is new to this process, when you have that many names, that means enough ideas where uh, are considered to have been in place from each of them. So when you see when you see Joby uh, get just pure teleplay credit, that's not to say that there isn't little bits here and there of what someone else did. Right. Um, but it just means the ones where, that, where they get name credit means their contribution is deemed enough to get name credit. Um, it's all percentages and recency. Pretty much. Like they'll list I, you in the order of who did what, when. The last time I heard percentage was you get it in arbitration, you get it if they deem you 30%. That was the last time I heard. So all kinds of, these are all guild rules um, that are sometimes arbitrary, sometimes needed, very you know, complex <laughs> to a whole panel I had, of people. 
I had professors who are like roped into that stuff because like as a guild member, you are obligated to when it's like jury duty, right. essentially. Um, so it's like you will get sent 10 versions of a script and you have to read through each one. And be like, okay, yeah, that's theirs, that's theirs, yeah, that's theirs. This comes and it, from here. Yeah. Introduce this. And um, so it is, it's a, it's not just some little thing. It is like quite a process, which again, makes sense for the, <laughs> the 10 years of acquisition to, to air date, because I mean, it takes time to, right. to do those things. And when projects change and, you know, blah, 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 you see it with Rogue One, you see it with solo where where did the credits end up it protects people too you know and it's good like it's it's good that Stuart Beatty you know having worked on the movie version that he's still getting something yeah if if his ideas are there then he absolutely deserves it and it's like that's what it's about so um so yeah it's uh, it's just it's normal stuff in the end it is just normal yeah so Hannah Friedman comes on in episode three and then the only other person we'll talk about uh, later on, part five, Andrew Stanton joins the show, which is super interesting and exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we list all those people to say that they grasp, I think, where this character needs to be, what makes sense, um, thematically speaking, because there was lots of ways you could have done this show. I think part of the challenge with this is the same challenge that Force Awakens faced even before it was Force Awakens, which mm-hmm. was everyone has made this in their mind. And for some right. people, like John Jackson Miller, they've actually made it, you know, with the Kenobi novel, which was yeah. not an old Legends novel. That's recent. Right, right. It was toward the end of... of uh, of EU. I think one of the Disney. last one of the last ones, yeah, for yeah, sure. It was one of the last ones. So it's like it's not like this hasn't been directly handled. So it it was definitely a tall order and I think that they made incredible decisions in that it's everything we thought it was going to be and and nothing that we expected at the same Yeah. Time. That's that's some that's a way I've been sort of processing it as well in that you know you have like loads of you you ask 10 different people what they thought an Obi-Wan story would be in this time frame, and you'd get pretty varying answers and they would go from, you know, Oh, he could do all this. He could do all this. Or you get the, he needs to sit in a cave and do nothing. And he needs to, it needs to be introspective and it needs to be, you know, all these maybe like vision-y type things and whatever. And it's somehow given us all of that, right? Like it's given us planet hopping. It's given us um, links to characters, mm-hmm. like interactions. He's not just alone and big characters um, that we'll get into. And then it's also given us the the, the quiet and the privacy. And um, episode three had probably one of the greatest trippy visions of all time. And it's and it's filmed like a trippy vision. Um, and it's it's given you everything. And it's that's that in itself is a pretty much like in like in shock <laughs> that it has done all that already yeah it's extremely ambitious and not unlike the mandalorian my reaction coming out of that screening when people we saw some people thursday night that didn't see it and they would say like don't spoil it for me but like how is it i would say okay without spoilers they they sold you only half the show which was genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like th- those, all the trailers are made up from these first three episodes. You even see as far as Mapuzo, but they hid from us the biggest component, which was that once again, cuteness prevails. Uh, yep. they, but this time, cuteness that talks and is brilliantly performed, uh, which is the fact that Princess Leia is the co lead of the show, which was just bananas to me like i could not believe what we were seeing in that screening when we cut to all yeah on that that cut is still magic yeah um because it's it's so tonally different right like i think i think the first one is right after 
Benny Safdie's like, yo, please help me. And Ben's like, go away. <laughs> right? like, and it's like, that is, and that's a dark moment for a hero, right? Like he has, mm-hmm. he has just turned away one of his own and, you know, slightly admits a little bit to, you know, being part of it and being like, just get rid of that thing, man. Get out of here. Um, Gold of a normal and, life. Right. That is a dark, dark moment. And then you flip right over into into the shining city of Alderaan and and it's it's so delicately built with the the dressing of the child. I won't say Leia because <laughs> it is ultimately not Leia. A child. Yeah, but but just knowing those are her clothes, yeah. right? Those are her little shoes. And it's like, oh my God. I, I was like, are we really doing this? I felt like you, I felt yes. like Finn. <laughs> it makes you not want to hope, right? Because you're like, yeah, it's just gonna be like for two seconds. Like, relax. Like, you're probably just gonna see her, and when Bale says hi to her or something, and yeah. Like, but nope. It, no, they yeah, were was... they were introducing your yeah, like you said, your co-lead. Like it is yeah. Then like the show being that thematically, I mean, like to loop it all the way back to the beginning when I asked you, what is you and doing differently here? What is different about Obi-Wan here that resonates with you? I think they're connected points because my biggest thing was if he's going to have an adventure, if he's going to have, as Bale calls it, one last fight, mm-hmm. um, what would compel him to leave his post? You know, I think about Sam Witwer's amazing explanation of Twin Sons, where he's like, this is the most important post of guardianship in the galaxy. Yeah. This is a man on duty. What would compel him? And it's it's Bale's truthful arguments of she's just as important as he is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need you right now. She does. You know, I was at that table. Like, and it puts Bale on this level of importance too, which I loved because it's like, it wasn't just Obi and Yoda at that yeah. table, you know, making the decisions about these kids. Bale was there too. Yeah. Um, and Bale they're the, also the most, yeah, the most important secret keepers in the galaxy. Yeah. And with, with Owen and Brew. But yeah, no, it, it's fundamentally right. And I think, you know, so much of, again, thinking about the buildup to this show when we knew nothing mm-hmm. was we were, we got, I think the, the biggest indication thing we got of what it was, was, Kathy Kennedy saying showdown of the rematch of the century or whatever. Right. And that and alone was like, huh. Well, then he okay. has to leave. Right. Everyone's first thought. Cause it was like, well, he, what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and um, we started to see Dayu and we were like, exactly. There's and, a mission. Yeah. And because that is again, like, like your point about Sam Witwer, like as fans of Obi-Wan, the, 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 the like the protection of Luke is sacred. Like we don't want to see that diluted. Um, so when when you have this idea of planet hopping Obi Wan, the fear be, becomes: is the mission going to be going to feel diluted? He's like he didn't actually just commit; <laughs> like he went off. So I think it was always a challenge to convince us that if he's gonna go, it's got to be for something big. And right. you literally cannot get bigger than the other twin. No, like you, you just can't. can't. And also, um, it's like, it's classic Star Wars, right? It's the tapestry, which, you know, I'm going to have to get a sound effect or something for that. I'm going to have to, I'll figure something out. Uh, just a sound of someone pouring a drink, pouring a stiff there drink we go. every time there I say it. Um, but it's, it's Star Wars doing that thing it always does with building the tapestry forward and backwards and finding every little, every opportunity to insert story and to find like the, oh, oh, here's something like I picture, I picture the, you know, Star Wars, like this big scroll and they're looking through it and there's dust mm-hmm. and everything. And they're like, here's some, here's a place where the ink is not dry. Like we could figure yeah. this out. And like now knowing that Obi-Wan, as it's often said, his last sight before he dies physically um, is seeing the twins reunited. 
Yeah. And he looks off to the side before Vader strikes him down. It's like you have now put so much importance in that moment of it's the twins. It's so much importance into there is another because it, now it's not just a hypothetical of, yeah, Bale raised the other, but we'd never really interacted with her. No, we mm-hmm. did. No, there is another Obi-Wan. Do you remember? Do you remember Mapuza yeah. and Dayu? Like, yeah. So it's like all of that. And then for Leia's perspective, you and I coming out of that screening, some of the first things we talked about were, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope is... Yeah, it's an order from Bale, but it's also like, remember, like, I, I know what you can do. I believe yeah. when you didn't believe. You, you, know? were, you were my hero before. Yeah. And, and again, it's time again. Her, naming her son after him. and when, Specifically Ben. Ben. And when yeah. Luke does the Ben Kenobi and she goes, Ben Kenobi. Like right. that, the thing that for years people have said, how does she know to call him that? There you go. Uh, no, yeah. It's, God, it's clever. It's, um, it's so like when I think about Star Wars stories. Um, I always think the most important rule, second most important rule, most important rule is, as always, just make it good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the second most important rule, do you make what came before better? Mm-hmm. And the best things do. Yep. And this, this has already done that on so many levels uh, for all those things you just said. Um, and like, that's, that's what's so special about it. It's like all of a sudden, somehow, this, this little series, six episodes, has become vital to understanding and watching the Skywalker saga. In a way, the Mandalorian doesn't. No, because the at Mandalorian... Least not, at least not yet. Mandalorian um, to its, it does what it says it was going to do. It's telling post-Jedi in right. the Star Wars galaxy. Like, yeah, Luke weaves in and out um, of the two shows, but this, to me, like, this is episode 3.5. This is in, the pure core. Way. This is yeah. the core of the saga. This is... I mean, obviously, Obi-Wan is... Obi-Wan is the honorary family member, right? And... Mm-hmm. It's, this is this is a show about Obi-Wan, Anakin, Vader, um, Leia, <laughs> and, they, and ca- they casted Luke. So yep. can only and, assume Luke is going to play a bit of a role eventually. And, like it's, and Bale too, like Bale and Brea. Brea getting her, her first real bit of shine. Yeah. Getting characterization of seeing her and Bale, their influence over her, but also their connection to Obi-Wan. Like you're the only one we trust with our child. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's no one else that can do this. Like like you said, like the, the most important secret keepers in the galaxy, it brings them all to the forefront. Yeah. Both Bale and Owen getting crucial amounts of characterization here. Um, Owen... I mean, Owen, in terms of the tapestry, like now you watch that man in New Hope and you know that he has literally faced what he is trying to keep this boy from. Yeah. He stood tall against a red blade. Yeah. Like, like who face. would have thought? <laughs> like, yeah, you watch, you watch a New Hope and you're like, man, come on, man, just let him go. Right. Like it is, it's uh, like, obviously, you know, we, we love Uncle Owen as he is yeah. in a New Hope, but you know, he is as written then you know, the obstacle. Right. And, and it's just, again, did you make what came before better? And when you watch Owen Lars do everything to protect this kid, he, he throws the toy back. He's like, dude, just back off. Um, He goes up against an inquisitor. He, and in so doing also doesn't break the secret on Obi-Wan. And it's like, Owen Lars is one of the strongest men in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And he just is. And, and it's not like Owen Lars, you know, I think it's to add to your point, like I think that we forget as a fandom, not you and I or anyone listening, but just like collectively, I think the end of Revenge of the Sith is so like mythic and beautiful of getting the baby passed on that we don't, we haven't, and maybe they'll talk about it if we see Owen again, but like we haven't 
ever stopped to think about what that was like for Owen and Brew. Yeah. They were a young couple. He met his stepbrother one time. It's not like, it's not like he was at the table and voluntarily bailed it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was thrust upon him. Importance, yeah. danger, and having to lie for the rest of his life were all yeah. thrust on him. Bail volunteered. And what's amazing about thinking about them and seeing how they act now, I had this beautiful image in my head of they didn't hesitate for one second, nope. you know, and like they, they didn't ask any questions when, when a Jedi came and said, you need to protect this child. And they're like, okay. Like I, that's how I view them now. And like, that's amazing. And, and I think another reason why I think it's just, it's so vital to the saga listeners, Alden, tell me what happens when you log on Disney plus and start the first episode. <laughs> what did it show you four minutes of? <laughs> oh. Have mercy. Well, that's the other thing, right? Is that at the, at the premiere screenings, they didn't do the prequel recap uh, pre-roll. Right. So when I went to watch one and two and we got home, I was like, what's this? Like, this is fantastic. They give you the Star Wars prequels in case you hadn't seen them. Yeah. It's like, here you go. Like it, it is, it's a great it is edit. so, <laughs> it really is. And it is so vital. Like I just, again, I can't believe how important this little story is and then that's that's why it's a beautiful thing to have done because it really does matter um i think that's always like been uh something people have asked me about um the show because people did get pessimistic when kathy was like rematch of the century and people i didn't want that and i was like look i'm not sweating about it there's no way to know until you see it and then you can decide was that worth it or not and we're halfway through even one episode through I was like, it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's that's what is so far the magic of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, it's just, it's managed to bridge the trilogies together, those first two trilogies so beautifully and to enhance everyone's arcs. And so we sort of talked about that overview. We talked about Obi-Wan. Um, I do want to ask you, so like I said, we're not going to beat for beat all three of these episodes because we'll be here all night. But in terms of episode one, I'm going to say for all three of these, what are some standout moments and some standout characters? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to jump in before you even say anything and say, let's talk about Vivian Lyra Blair as Leia. Because, I mean... My goodness, like Star Wars has had a history of really magical casting choices, two of which are now Leia and, and Vivian being 10 years old. You know, it's a rare case of a child actor actually playing the age they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's 10. At the time of this recording, it's actually her birthday or maybe her birthday just passed. Happy birthday, Vivian. We know you're <laughs> listening. <laughs> yeah, Vivian, we know you're scrolling through Star Wars podcasts at 10 on, on the Lucasfilm private jet. Um, this little girl, I mean, this young performer, not only are her scene partners like jimmy smith's like you know ewan mcgregor like it's like she's got like a lot to work with and like a lot to make us believe whether it's things like lola um to make us believe the supreme level of intelligence and intuition that Mm layout intuition but this is like quite possibly one of the most difficult things to step into ever um yeah we saw how difficult it is for adults to do that i mean every batman every bond alden ehrenreich you know as han and here she is 10 years old um and and we we come from a history of seeing how jake lloyd was treated oh yeah you know it's it's dangerous it's mm-hmm. dangerous territory to bring a kid in and like it's one of the things with game of thrones too like they brought kids in to this massive hbo series and and harry potter even like yeah. you know the casting of children is an art form right it's, like it's a game and yeah and it's it's 
it's yeah it's rolling the dice you don't know what you're gonna get you, now, you thankfully hope. dare i say we're in a golden age yeah i will say i with the stranger things kids yeah with kids like vivian with kids like woody norman and come on come on i think i think that's lessons that have come from the countless failures right yep. um and people are getting better ruining people's yeah. lives yeah, people are getting way better at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Vivian, what, what, what can you, what is left to say about this child? I think yeah. the moment, just watching her, a, a, you're already amazed by Leia because she's put this other kid in her spot and everybody knows. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's so wonderfully written. Um, and the, mo- the moment when Leia is like, I'm sorry. And she hugs Brea and Brea's like, I feel you doing that. And she gets Lola back out. She pickpockets her like, mother. That's when I was like, oh, this kid's a superstar. Yeah. Like this kid is, the sky is the limit. Like there, this kid is firing full boosters up. And, and then, yeah, she steals every scene. She's, she's incredible. Incredible. She's, there was something so electric being in that room full of our fellow fans and everybody just, out of the palm of her hand, you know, especially when she's dissecting her cousin. Like at first it's the lower life forms thing, but then she mm. really breaks him down about it's your fear, it's your insecurity and, and you're this and that and you're Do you amazed. feel do you feel that's her using the force without knowing? You know, I wonder about that. And I, I think that there is an element to it. I think that Leia, because every time she does it, right? Because mm-hmm. she does it with the cousin and she does it with Obi-Wan, where she's, where the two times where she's like, I know there's something you're not telling me. Yeah. Leia's force powers have always been way more based in the mind. Right. Whereas Luke's have always been way more based in like the kinetic and the active, mm-hmm. whether that's the trench run or whether that's like push and pull and all that stuff. But Leia has always been the intuitive force one you know, which they sort of obviously erupts an empire, right? you know, being able to call out to Luke. But I do think that there's a little bit of being able to read the room. And we've, we've sort of played with that in canon with like characters like Emery and the higher public and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, I think there's a little bit of force empathy. Like she could probably feel the insecurity. Yeah. Coming off. Yeah. People. I think that's what, that's what's interesting. Cause it's like, is it the force? Is it Leia? Is it both? Like, can they just, can it mean the same thing? Right. Yeah. Like, so yeah, it's like uh, the Dave Filoni thing. Exactly. Tales. Yeah. You know, is it, is, is the little girl using the force or is she just not afraid? Which is right. just, yeah. I do think you're onto something there. And I think that and it's the writing of it. It's doing those scenes. It's Deborah's directing. But again, not enough can be said about this 10 year old child being able to deliver this dialogue at a clip like she is, you know, because Carrie was 19 talking to people like Peter Cushing, like she was yeah. an esteemed old actress herself. And now you have this 10 year old doing it also feeling like she's much older. It's like, that's the, that's the magic. It's like, it is her. Yeah. Like it's, I think that's what's so amazing. It's like, it's one thing to bring in a little Leia because it, it, she could have just been like what we've seen of Luke so far yeah. where he he's, He's perfectly Luke and he's adorable watching him try to drive some, you know, speeder on top of the thing, but it's still from a distance. And now it, oh, she's, she's talking to us guys. She's talking to us (laughs) like Leia, little Leia is, is, is yapping. (laughs) And it's like, it's so real. It's just, it's like, that is her. That is who I imagine Leia Organa was as a kid. like to a T and again, it's, it's the, the acting, the directing writing. It's, it's a perfect storm of, and then it, and then it's Leia, like Leia herself is special. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, you know, that's because of Carrie and everything, but like, there's something about it being her there. Like there's a preciousness to Leia just as a character in star Wars where yeah. it feels different having her back. Right. And it's, and it's allowing them to, she sets up the themes in a lot of ways. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Obi-Wan has his own, but there's that connective tissue that comes back around in, in a couple big ways in episodes two and three, but this idea of, am I authentic Am I enough? Am I a quote unquote real Organa? Is, you know, the questions that an adopted person, I imagine. I mean, if you're listening and you're adopted or if you have adopted somebody yourself, I'd love to know like sort of the insights. Like these questions feel inevitable, but because because they told her, you know, more truth than Luke knew. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Luke probably just got, eh, we don't talk about it. He's dead. You yeah. know, like that type of stuff. With Leia, they were probably, they've probably told her like, yeah, we adopted you and we're proud of it. Like, you know, like that's, they have her waving and people do know. Um, it's- well, And also like to your point about Luke, it's Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru and it's my mother and father. Right, right. You know? So it's yeah. like, there's, there is a difference. Um, Luke has a lingering sense of something bad happened, even if it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, even if it was just, you know, my dad, the navigator on a spice freighter, something bad happened. Yeah. So bad, you know? There's still death. <laughs> um, right. So, right. It, you know, yeah. Leia, it is, there is that difference in approach. You know, Owen never acted like his father. He just acted like his father mm-hmm. um, in, in the ways that were needed as a provider. So it is an interesting dichotomy. And, and I think it's you know, because we meet Leia as a 19 year old woman who is a senator, who is on the run in this adventure, you know, it was the 1970s. So of course there are some, if this was made now, I'm sure we would have spent more time with her grieving Alderaan and things like that. But for the context of the story at the time, she is so strong and so put together that we don't ever get these questions. We didn't know Bale at the time. So this all feels like, yes, of course she would think this as a child. Of Mm -hmm. course we would do this. And to have this like, am I really what I think I am is so key to what the entire show is. You know, that's, yeah. what, that's exactly what Obi-Wan's asking, except it's just about mm-hmm. adult problems. It's about something yeah. else. Um, and to unify core themes in, in a way that everybody can relate and put their problem into it. It's so Star Wars, because yeah. even if you're not the kid looking at the twin sons, like you still, uh, you know, you could be gray in the beard and old and still be able to relate to these same themes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like the two of them together, they have this core problem, but they are so different in how they approach life too. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's, it's all, again, it's like in, in your general writing, um, your writing isms, right? Like the, the sage wisdom of, of writing, you know, the show don't tell level. Oh, I'm always told this about writing. The other one is paradoxes. Paradoxes are the way forward and opposites are what drive conflict and tension. And even, even when they are the two heroes, you, you need to have um, the bouncing of different ideologies. And so like they have this shared struggle on a level, but they're so different. And, and Leia's childish yet mature um, optimism of the world, because she's grown up in a palace and she's you know, learned to expect the best from people. She talks nice to the droids. Um, you know, she's, she's, that's who she is. Yeah. Combined with Obi-Wan's, I've seen everyone I love die. Uh, I've been betrayed. I've seen my Republic crumble. I've had to uh, immolate my best friend, essentially. At and this like, point, at this point, yeah. you murder him, you know, he doesn't right. know the right. truth. So yeah. And, um, and seeing them bounce off each other, just, 
in little moments of that of is it so hard to imagine you have friends <laughs> like oh, like it's I mean, so good the dialogue yeah. is just yeah and, and the gloves is just and, like, gloves. <laughs> and and watching him struggle uh, like i think it's the obi-wan obi-wan's like i can do this oh shit i can't this kid's talking to me <laughs> like yeah and, uh, and it's like it's so good and I love I love everything they bring to as two cast members. Um, they're so they're just dynamite together, especially when but especially with the you're my daughter from twelve. It's like granddaughter more like yeah. <laughs> like oh my god, <laughs> amazing. But what how, nothing? <laughs> how old are you? Ten. You don't sound like you're ten. Thank you. <laughs> like it's so good. And, and, and to get in this girl and as casting and writing somebody that can give you different shades of Jake Lloyd, Hayden Christensen, and Natalie Portman. Yeah. Um, and to have those moments of this banter reminds me of Anakin and Obi-Wan. But then when Obi-Wan stops and is like, you remind me of somebody, she was a leader and she died a long time ago. And even- Can like, I? Uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I just, I just want to say, I just want to pour one out because I know some people got a little overexcited, I'd say. <laughs> I thought he was talking about Satine. Oh yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah. kiddos, let's let's pump the brakes a little. <laughs> let's keep it focused. Not quite yet. <laughs> We're not there yet. But yeah, the Padme thing, I think, was like even watching Leia do that and walk off. My before Obi Wan even said anything, my mind went to, well, I'm gonna go help Obi Wan. So you're just having to, you're just gonna have to like tag along yeah. or whatever. Like it's so brilliant, and and then the dialogue just nails it in. It's um, the lingering spirit of those two. I mean, yes, Anakin is in the story, but of the Anakin that really died, mm -hmm. um, at least up to this point, like it's it's a great way to show, I don't know if y'all remember, we had a whole trilogy where Luke dealt with, does he have too much of his father in him? Yeah. Uh, and then we have another trilogy that is about the lingering specter of those characters over Kylo Ren, over Rey. And, and so to back it up and to find like, to give Leia that moment of who are the influences on her, mm -hmm. uh, I think plays just so beautifully. Um, because, you know, much is made of, and I, I largely agree with it. You know, people say in fandom, like, Leia is Anakin's daughter, Luke is Padme's son. Mm -hmm. They're really, but, but really, they both have both. And I think this has really been able to, like, to explore that territory, play in those, those gray areas. Because there's so many interactions in these first three episodes that you have to imagine, like those ten years between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, like that this would have been like little Anakin. Yeah, yeah. Totally in this edit, like waving at the truck, like hello, <laughs> like <laughs> Anakin, goddamn it! <laughs> yeah, like, that exact energy. Yeah, people are not all good. Uh, yeah, it, it's fantastic. And and think about how again with the the opposite nature of them. Think about how different obi-wan is as a man trying to take care of this little skywalker compared to who he was you know taking care of that little skywalker right like yeah. it's it's so it must be there's so much unsaid still that is you know enough to make you just like want to lie down trying to analyze what oh. obi-wan is going through i mean because because uh, how much of that is on his mind i mean not just the lingering specter of qui-gon and trying to talk to him but you get qui-gon's like train the boy like Obi-Wan had Anakin thrust upon him. Mm -hmm. He did not choose him like masters choose their Padawans. It was out of a promise and an obligation. And the book Brotherhood, which was released, you know, not for the show, it's not necessary, but you know how they do those little nice releases. Like yeah. Brotherhood 
talks, not to spoil it for anybody listening, but it talks about this idea of them as brothers. And whereas Anakin sees him like a father, but Obi-Wan has always seen him more like a brotherly thing and how Anakin did need a father. And it's not that Obi-Wan wasn't giving him love, but it's the right kind of love. So yeah. now that he has, like you said, this other little Skywalker, you know, he's like, oh, I'm not good at this specifically, but yeah. specifically yeah. with these kids. Like I And to, to what degree is he afraid he will mess her up? Yeah. I mean, yeah. when he says to Bale, like, I'm not that guy. Yeah. And and I don't know if I can do it. And Bale says, well, you're going to have to be. Like, yeah. Bale is the reality check. Because there is that level, I think, of when we're seeing it get stripped away, where he's trying to be at an arm's length hmm. with this kid, right? And he's like, look, you know, I'm just here to get you off the planet, back home. I'm, you know, just Ben. I'm just dude. And then fast forward to, to episode three, and he's like, you know, telling her about, his what he remembers and he's like when you know those jedi we're taken away from our families and, and he he's like you i think you can see if you if you watch it like back to back this sort of trend of him like opening himself up to her right and not and not wanting to just be like i'm just here to get you off this planet back home then i'll go back to my thing and he's like actually connecting with her and yeah i think that is I think that's probably like a, it feels like an intentional thing of, you know, his fear of what it means to interact with these kids even. Because even, even with Luke, right, he's like, he has this idea of a day will come where I'll, I'll have to like to talk to him. <laughs> but, um, but even now he's not done that. And he's watching from a distance and he's trying to size this kid up and figure out what he's like. And he sees him playing on top of the thing and he's like, oh, he must like uh, fast Fast ships, but yeah. Leia, Leia is Leia is literally thrown on him, right? Like right. he's not, he has no idea what she's like, and he can't be the mentor that he is in New Hope without a test run, mm-hmm. without breaking in and 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 softening his teaching approach. Because the last time he taught, forget Order sixty six, even before Order sixty six was wartime. Yeah, you know, like in Anakin pre wartime, but like even with Ahsoka, even with other younglings, the other young people around him, it was very very different environment. Like you don't get the, and we'll talk about it when we do moments for episode three. But his speech about you know what does the force feel like? Well, have you ever been afraid of the dark? Like mm-hmm. that whole you don't get to the it binds us and penetrates us and like right. you he's not ready to make that speech yet. Yeah. You know, he has to yeah. iron out his soul before he can articulate that to this guy um, come nine years later. So that was a whole big thing on Leia. Um, yeah. Really so, so that was Vivian. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. So uh, Vivian rocks. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about some moments and uh, other standout supporting roles that start in episode one. Some of them carry throughout all of them. Some of them are just in a couple, uh, like Kumail is only in the second one um, so far. So let's talk about uh, our, our bads, our other force users, our inquisitors. Um, Grand Inquisitor, fifth brother, Reva, the third sister, who's mm-hmm. our core antagonist, um, aside from Vader. So w- what are your feelings and impressions on everything going on with them? Grand Inquisitor and fifth brother, of course, are from Rebels. Mm-hmm. So we, as just fans of um, especially Rebels, <laughs> check out the sister show. It's interesting to take them in live action, right? And, you know, we have a very specific thing of what they, what we remember them as in the animated show. And uh, watching them on the big screen in live action was, I think, uh, everything I could say I would like to see in a translation to live action. I thought they, I thought those two are great. Rupert Friend killed it. The, the, it's like an itch. 
they can't help themselves. Like, it's so good. It's an yeah. automatically, like, great villain monologue in Star Wars. And it's, and it's right out of the gate. Um, and so, yeah, he's great. Sun Kang is, is uh, the fifth brother. I hasn't had too much to do, but what he does is good. Yeah. Um, especially as we get into this third episode. I think, you know, you're starting to open the doors more with him. Um, and he looks great in live action. Like it's a good translation. And then we have Riva, who is our third sister and really the, yeah, like the, the head villain of story-wise. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think Riva is, is really cool, first of all, style-wise, um, acting. Moses Ingram's incredible. And, you know, I don't even know what to say to the people who are trying to give her abuse. Yeah, it's just I it's mean, just like what what yeah like you know like not for what nothing, do you even say it's, it's just, just like it's one of those things you know just to, go away like to address that real quick it's yeah like the fact that we even feel like we have to that anyone has to that she has to that the cast has to is appalling if you spew hate i don't want you listening to any of these shows i know nikki doesn't to anything that we do um you need to better yourself it's not a matter of opinions it's human decency she's fantastic she has more talent than those people deserve um and i'm so happy for her success and i'm so glad that corporate changes have been such that people can put a firm foot down oh yeah seeing obi-wan kenobi say you're no star wars fan in my mind is everything yeah suck on that (laughs) like you you (laughs) know what you know what go go take the rotten tomato score no one cares right Obi-Wan told you to go shove it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. And yeah, and Moses, this is not Moses Ingram's high point. She is going to be firing off into the future. Oh, she's yeah. going to be soaring past Obi-Wan Kenobi the series. Good. Like she's got she's a future. Um, yeah, so. It's hard at this point in Star Wars to bring something original to the dark side because it's like we've had so many different shades. So many. You know, where yeah. Vader is completely different from Dooku, is completely different from Maul, is different from Palpatine, is different from uh, Kylo Ren. Like to find your own little something in there. Yeah. And, and her this is sort of like. This is definitely, yeah, something new. It's It's got, she's got like a stylishness to yes. her. It's like she's both stylish and totally like unhoned. She has a right? swagger, like, but like like you said, like there's like right but right behind the eyes. It's like she could, and that's why you have like Grand Inquisitor and Fifth Brother reigning her in. Like yeah, there's a sense of like she's ready like to an she's ready to break dog type. Yeah, thing. like she she's ready to destroy someone. Yeah. And she has like interesting line deliveries. Like when she goes like fire the probes, do it now yeah. like she like her she doesn't read yeah. the way you expect people to yeah no it's it's great and it's it that's a, that's one of those things where it's like i always love to or i would love to see the actor that like actor director relationship of finding that and like do they find that in rehearsal do they find that on set do they find that as they do takes um that's always interesting but yeah just reva as a character i think that is what is so cool about her she is she isn't she doesn't appear to be playing the game that the other inquisitors are used to um and that in itself is the dark side incarnate right like the dark side the whole relationship of the dark side or the sith master and apprentice master looking to replace the apprentice apprentice looking to overthrow the master the whole thing is built on chaos Right. And so to watch these people essentially try to have their own Jedi Council 
and it's just a madhouse of yeah. like of like nobody <laughs> nobody respecting the rules. My God, like, I saw like, a, I saw a great <laughs> tweet that was just a picture of of Fifth Brother very intensely. Like I think oh, yeah. it, I think it was his cardboard cutout. Yeah, and yeah, it said Vader said I get to play on the Xbox next. Yeah. Like <laughs> I know I know who tweeted that. Shout out to Ben. Um, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, so funny. That's a great tweet, and it because yeah, that that's complete that energy. Um, but yeah, it's it's so fascinating to watch dark side dysfunction because that is the order of operations for the dark side. There could be no other way. Like like Riva has simply just added a little complication to the system. Mm-hmm. But like the Inquisitors, for as much as they want to act like an organization, they're not because. They're dark side users and you can't do that. Like the dark side of the force and tapping into that does not allow you to organize. And I think that is what's really cool. And Riva with her um, unpredictability and the way she is new to this, she, she exposed that crack in their system in a much harsher way than I think would have happened without her. I think that's all very well said. And and like you said, like exposing the crack in the system in a way that not just finding new shades in terms of all the dark siders, but specifically the inquisitors. We haven't seen this aggressive level of uh, ambition and this. Uh, I think what oh, what does the great inquisitor say? Like, third sister, I can no longer stand the stench of your ambition. Like, yeah, he's he's good, uh, and they're good. You are from the gutter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are the lowest of us. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be great meme material once we get like, you know, rolling throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. Now, yeah, I think that not enough good can be said about Moses' performance in this character. I think that I don't want to spend too much time speculating because it's like in a hot minute, the show's going to be over. We'll know? find so, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's like we're days away from episode four. Um, so I don't want to sound like, a, I think Reva's doing this. And then they reveal all what her deal is. But the idea that it is personal. Like it is so deeply. It personal. has to be. Yeah. It like it just has to be. Um, it's better. Always it, better. It's it's better storytelling in every, no matter what universe you're playing. In, mm-hmm. You have to make stakes personal, and I think, and it's like yeah, she is an interesting character. Ambition alone can make her interesting, um, but again, it's like what is driving that? That has to be something really meaningful, and and it adds to moments where. When the fifth brother's like, you're going to get what you, or like, I'm going to get what I deserve. And so will you. And she's like, I hope so. Right. Like, and what is behind that? Is she actually even thinking about the position of Grand Inquisitor? Or is she thinking about what potentially Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker did to her life? So there's so many angles you could take there. And again, like not to go down the speculation thing, but these two men of Anakin and Obi-Wan, Vader and Ben, they affected way more people than just each other. You know, Vader in some obvious ways. Um, But even Ben, you know, the the choice of self-exile possibly being called into question, um, the choice of, you know, one thing we talked about at Celebration is like, I I love the idea, whether it's Reva or whether they do this down the road, like that whole like don't come back to the temple it's a trap it's like yeah that's good but also there were people there were kids there that probably did need a grown-up to show up yeah you know? and whether that's reva whether that and, you know yeah i mean and i know i know you're you're constantly warning against the speculation part but like yeah. we have to address the fact that this opened up with younglings yes and and it's like three well, it's episodes just such in. A great like 
horror scare too. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell I'll tell everyone what I told you. Yeah. Of like I thought we were gonna get little little Obi Wan as mm. like a big flashback to open it up with, and when those tro- clone troopers walked in, <laughs> like I was gonna I was gonna scream <laughs> like, um, because I just was not expecting it. Um, I am so tired of these guys. Sorry. I know, right? These five oh first coming in and ruining the the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's a reason that scene exists. I think three episodes in and, and nothing has changed the idea that we think one of them is her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it, that has to be, or I hope I won't say has to be, um, I will just hope that that's what's rooted in her character and her journey. And it's why she matters because yeah. otherwise, if it's not her, otherwise you don't need the character Reva. And it also the, the Grand Inquisitor could just do all this, right? And and to address him uh, dying, it's like, well, we know he's not, you know. So it's like yeah. it uses viewer knowledge. Like I'm sure there's someone out there that never watched Rebels that believes it, and when he returns, it'll be a nice shock for them. But for mm-hmm. the for the people that are consuming everything, you need to ins- like, w- what is the the thematic tension here? Uh, me knowing she doesn't get that job for Vader to say, I've been watching your third sister, the position of Grand Inquisitor will be yours. Yeah. It's like, well, I, I know it's not. And I also don't think she's in it for a gig. Yeah. Um, and it, it potentially sets up a good ticking time bomb for Reva yeah. when they're like, oh, so yeah, he's not dead and he's going to be off the recovery table soon. And for her, that's, I better speed this up. <laughs> uh, right. Like I need to get this going yeah. before he's back on the table. Again, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, winding back to the beginning of the episode where you're talking about knowing the outcome isn't doesn't take the magic away mm-hmm. right like in in some ways it enhances it 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 makes you know where the pressure is coming from so yeah i think i think the inquisitors are are doing some some cool stuff i think reva has a really exciting story ahead and she's gonna be great and i don't think it's gonna end well for her <laughs> but, but uh <laughs> but um it's it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun to watch because yeah she's gonna kill it how about uh other little standout things in episode one before we move firmly into the Dayu stuff uh, we had tika. nari the jedi we had tika yes. <laughs> oh my i think tika God. is tika is what i want to shout out the most <laughs> tika i've called tika the saul goodman of jobs yeah. like so funny yeah just the idea that obi-wan's been getting ripped off by the people of tatooine for 10 years <laughs> <laughs> Obi-Wan, like, I didn't, ex- I, don't, I don't know why, like, my entire life being a Star Wars fan, I just thought that he would be chill during the exile. But, like, he didn't work. Was, like, no, nah, he needs to work. Like, yeah, <laughs> which just makes sense. Like, well, he's got to pay for the gloves, right? He's cutting some giant uh, beast mm-hmm. that is in the, uh, in the sand. And, yeah. Uh, so he's making an honest wage and Tika is uh, <laughs> charging him for his own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the Tika scene is, is great. I love the, I've always kind of loved Jawas, but only in a surface way that you love Jawas because they're funny mm-hmm. and they're making funny noises and stuff. But certainly with Tika and the two Jawas in the Bryce episode of Book of Boba, yeah. like Jawas are having a renaissance right now and it's, it's great. And the so, off-world yeah, Jawas. Off-world Jawas, of course. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that scene was hilarious. And that kind of dials into another thing of like, this show is funnier than I thought it would be, which is always great Star Wars in the end. Where yeah. it's like Star Wars needs to be bouncy too, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, and it's so easy to think about an Obi Wan series that is just a total downer um, because that's where he is. But I think, yeah, being able to give it a little bit of lift in these moments and um, whatnot, Kumail is funny later, um, right? So it's like 
yeah, I think the Tika scene is really important just for the flow of the show. I agree. I agree. And then the only other thing that I would want to talk about from episode one, um, and of course we could go nitty gritty on on the bail conversation, but I feel like in our opening, in our last stuff, we talked about those themes a lot and in the call, what would get him to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the last ingredient of his leaving, which ties into Nari. You know, he says, Nari, bury that in the desert. Him digging up the blade. And- I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up because I would have if, if you were yeah. going to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That whole very quiet, very small sequence. It's not not played for surprise because they don't need to we know but there's just something so powerful about it seeing both blades in that box then him going to leave and that lady like well are you coming and then yeah. you see it on his belt that is and that best. that is a perfect crowd moment mm-hmm. as it was you know for us last thursday yeah um it's a just a damn good ending to that episode yes. I, I remember i remember watching that and being like, did they secretly cut the first two together? Like, did we just watch the first two? And like, I have to go home now. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Cause it just felt so momentous. Um, and like, we just sat and watched, I mean, the first episode is quite long, but, but yeah, it's, it's a great that. Uh, yeah. Just that little shot of it on the clip. And then he moves it over. It's like, oh, we're back. He's going. Um, yeah, no, it's very, very, um, it's so good. It carries all the right energy because it gives you that we're back energy and that forward momentum, but it doesn't feel kick-ass. And I think that the show does a great job about that. Like this Obi-Wan still feels like Rocky Balboa or old Bruce Wayne or like that Mm -hmm. type of like Bale says one last fight. You know, that's all I'm asking. You know, you're the only one I trust with my kid, like one last time. Obi-Wan doesn't just crack his back and get into the swashbuckling. Yeah. Putting that blade on is fear. Um, Putting that blade on is the weight of pain. And like having to look at Anakin's for the first time in probably a decade is at this point, again, thinks he's dead um, is so much weight. And it's the whole thing, including uh, John Williams, theme and Mm -hmm. overall score. Perfect choice, by the way. I mean, she's crushing it. Yeah. Um, It'll be the theme and, and the score, they carry both triumph and whimsy, but also dread. Like the show just weaves the tone so perfectly. So something that scene reminds me of in terms of like it's exciting but not the pit like not like the kick ass moment. It reminds me of when Bilbo in the Hobbit decides to leave. Yeah. Right? Where it's like you're celebrating it because you know this is step one in becoming who we need you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an emotional breakthrough, right? It's like it's yeah, it's breaking through there, and um, it reminded me of that. And you know, it's it's so good, and I'm glad you brought up the the theme because a it's incredible, and b I I always think back to what we know as the Force theme was originally written as Obi Wan's theme, yeah, um, and it's the Force theme is so amazing because it is by design this this sort of like song of nobility, but also loss, right? Like it's the, it's the major, it's the first half in minor, second half in major sort of Mm -hmm. sequence of, of the the theme that gives you this feeling of loss of the lost Republic, but also the sort of the lift of hope that comes with the light side. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just funny that it is, it was originally Obi-Wan's theme. I think George Lucas sort of, because Binary Sunset was actually scored differently. Mm-hmm. And George Lucas was like, actually, we should put this song here. And they're like, okay. And, and so then it just became this 
overarching theme. And I, I like to think that John Williams has been sitting here for 40 something years. He's like, they, they took my Obi-Wan's theme away. <laughs> I'm going to write that thing again. I'm going to actually plant a flag and give him his theme. So I, lo- I love the idea that that's somewhere in John Williams' head. And he was able to take those same tenets of how he wrote the Force theme and to, to communicate both loss and heroism and this, this idea of this noble time that has been taken away, yeah. but still the promise of renewal. Um, 100%. And that's, that's, what it, that's what's so good about this new thing, because God damn it, John Williams, you've done it again. It's like, it's, at this point, it's, it's not surprising. Surprising is not the word, but it's just, you're in awe of the fact that at 90 a brilliant mind. years of age. It's a brilliant mind. Yeah, it, it's phenomenal. Um, that theme is gorgeous. So glad that, um, that he was able to help uh, contribute to the show and, and score it with Natalie Holtz, who's doing a great job. Cannot wait for the soundtracks to come out. And that's a great place for us to move officially into episode two. Again, we're going to do characters and moments again. Um, characters that are introduced in this one dinosaur bounty hunter and that's it no i'm kidding um, <laughs> we could just spend the next you know but, but Dino, that was a big moment dude um, he he changed he changed the scene man <laughs> what a what what a fella this whole dayu location is fantastic we'll start there very cool no, um, very cool. I it reminded me a lot of the Ring of Kafreen. Yeah, a lot of um, Kafreen, a lot like uh, Narshada, a lot like um, uh, like the thirteen thirteen. Yeah, yeah, song. definitely. So I really, really enjoyed that, and we're introduced to uh, <laughs> Haja. Haja, mm-hmm. um, what's Haja's last name? Estri. Estri. Haja Estri. Estri, something like that, yeah. Haja Estri, the con man pretending yep. to be a Jedi, which is a fantastic Very uh, cool. Very character. Um, we didn't talk about them as episode one, but there's also the continued presence of Flea uh, <laughs> and his gang. <laughs> which is just so, uh, so which, out of nowhere. Which I think I, I saw on Twitter, the first live action iteration of a Faleen, which is very cool. Oh. Um, one, of the, one of the little like, gang yeah. members yeah. um so that's that's kind of fun cool like uh expanded universe slash right into clone wars nod nice. um but yeah yeah so yeah seeing flea is just weird seeing flea was weird but he fit <laughs> somehow i guess uh yeah he's like he's like um almost like danny Trejo level right. of like i know that's you but you're working for this like, <laughs> like <laughs> somehow you fit, which i honestly think kumail does too yeah because it's, yeah, yeah. it's not like this is not at all an insult to Kumail's ability. He's extremely talented, but he is, he does sort of do Kumail. You know, he's a comedian. Yeah. He's a comedian writer who became an actor. Which um, sounds like what they wanted. Right. Because he was approached, right? Like, yeah. He, it, he there was no sort of like, oh, yeah, I should try like this. This part on the audition yeah. for it. No, yeah, like they, they wanted to hit him up. And yeah. He, he definitely plays um, plays into this in such a great way. You sort of get a classic um, rogue with a heart of gold, sort of little Star Wars story in there, mm-hmm. um, him making the better choice because you get the idea, like like he says, do I like credits? Yeah. Do I feel bad about it? Sometimes. <laughs> uh, and it's like, the guy wants to eat, but he also, it's not, I'm emulating the Jedi because it's easy. You get the idea that he emulates the Jedi because he respects them. Yeah. Um, but he's also- I mean, he knows this guy. Or like the way he sort of speaks about Obi-Wan Kenobi, like there's, he's like, if I would have known who you were, like they're just, it's almost like this feeling of like, you know, he had his poster on his wall, right? The like, boy shows yeah. him the, the screen. He's like, oh, that's embarrassing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a great, it's a great uh, it feeds, arc there. That idea feeds really well into the prologue of uh, Matthew Stover's Revenge of the Sith. 
mm. where, where the like the names on the people's lips were Skywalker and Kenobi, Skywalker and Kenobi. Like this idea that these two heroes were going around, and then now now if you that same idea now plays into Hodge's character of like that's Obi Wan Kenobi. I gotta help him, right? Like, yeah. what am I doing? Like, this is this is everything of you know. I've sort of like uh, like my whole childhood, <laughs> you know, is like it's standing in front of me. I gotta help him because the Jedi pre Clone Wars were the Jedi Knights, and they were this removed thing. The Jedi from Geonosis on were on the news. They yeah. had pictures Gen- of them. general. They took you know? rank. You know, it was they were accessible political figures as well. So uh, there is that possibility that in lingering sort of spirit of of their deeds hanging over everyone down to this level. I like that it took us. You know, for our first location in this show to go to was this place where, as the guy says, like, oh, you can't get signals in or out here. People love their secrets on Dayu. Mm-hmm. Like, everything here is duplicitous by nature. Everyone's hiding something. And again. It goes back to that overarching theme of who are you really? Obi-Wan doesn't know that yet. Leia at 10 is already struggling with it. And this whole planet represents that. And people mm-hmm. think it that way here. And, yeah. And Haja is able to thrive off of that. Yeah. Just just take the spice and forget your problem. Yep. yep. That's nice. the vibe. Nice appearance there by uh, Esther McGregor. There we go. Um, Ewan's daughter. And it's yeah. funny hearing her say, like, I was Obi-Wan's daughter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's funny yeah. dialogue for <laughs> yeah, the, for nice the meta side. Moment. Yeah. But I love this whole, this chase and i think that uh it's like this episode has such an adventurous momentum mm-hmm. this is where it plays into the surreal side as a star wars fan and as a viewer finally seeing the show if you had told me 10 years ago yeah there's going to be the obi-wan kenobi story between three and four and he's going to be on a city planet you know throwing a spice thing on the ground smash and gas mask on i'd be like what are you talking about yeah and it just feels right it just works and it works because of leia like we just spent however long saying it, right? Like it, it works because it matters yeah. to do, to do all that because it's yeah. for her. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of what we just had talked about in our Vivian section, I think fits with this episode. Like it's, right. it's the dynamic. It's, it's um, the dialogue. I, there's, there's dialogue in this episode that I'm like, I don't know, like this is going to stay with me just forever. Right. Like, like it, it's just surreal. Those moments that they share um, the, that will take the green cloak. You don't need those. And the gloves. <laughs> like that, that sequence alone is so perfect. And, um, and the grandfather, granddaughter were like it. <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> like like so it's good. It's so, it's just, it's perfect. And I, uh, I love this episode. I loved watching it um, for the first time in that, in that same galaxy stage crowd. And, and then, yeah, and it plays with, uh, I don't, I don't ever really want to like, fixate on this idea of like, well, which episode is your favorite so far? Um, but I remember just, just watching episode two or part two felt really special um, because there was like a lot of a new planet. Um, you're getting this Obi-Wan Leia, like it's just blowing your mind. You get Velociraptor with a, with a rifle <laughs> and a mo- Mohawk Velociraptor with a big, big stinking rifle. Give, like, give them an Emmy. Like, I just, I remember just seeing that guy and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> like, well, you see, the first time there was already like, we got to put it into context here. Like, so I'm sitting next to Nikki and Nikki is sitting next to our 
great friend Reed. Um, <laughs> and there's a, not just like, obviously we all like like Jurassic Park and stuff, but like specifically on our other show, the one and done film club, uh, we had done the lost world recently. And there's, you know, we talk about dinosaurs and, and things and that had been on the brain very recently. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dominion's coming out in a few Dominion days coming out. And um, like, oh, we just love star Wars weirdos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the gluppiest of shadows I've seen in a long time. <laughs> it was. Um and it's but when it he just, actually gets up and answers the call. Dude, like, <laughs> and he's got this giant freaking rifle. I'm like, that is that is like you remember in the High Republic when they're always like, What do we want to see? Dinosaurs. And like that's on the thing. Yeah. I feel like that was the same spirit. And somebody was like, Hey, are we next door to like the Stan Winston house? <laughs> um, can we just grab a velociraptor head and and do some stuff um it's like yeah it's it's so cool um seeing again and it it's one of those things that makes star wars feel alive and big of just to throw all these things and we saw a new droid bounty hunter and you know like just these little things that you can do when you enter the the world of scum and villainy that is i think you know one of the core appeals of star wars it's one of the reasons it took off i mean you go back to 1977 and you walk into the cantina and in the terms of the Campbellian, um, is that even a word? Campbellian yeah. uh, mythos, uh, mythology, like the cantina is the threshold, right? That is the step into right. the beyond. Um, and so it, it's, again, it's, it's a sort of, it's a huge part of what makes Star Wars tick, seeing, seeing these new weird things come into the story. Um, so yeah, while we celebrate velociraptor man and and his unfortunate death I, or maybe incapacitation you know it's it's that the fun side of it but it's also like this is kind of the the sort of the peanut butter and jelly of star wars yeah yeah it's a special thing this it is and this is you know you have star wars is so good at having all that that weird and all that visually interesting stuff happening i mean there's that creature that leia runs between his legs he's like a yeah, giant, yeah. furry thing and right right different ones in tanks because they give ewan and vivian this tension to play with where she is this intuitive child she does know she's not being told the whole truth and she starts to distrust obi-wan and you get this i gotta chase the kid i gotta get the kid back and everything mm-hmm. combined with the inquisitors who immediately one episode in have their fallout like it didn't yeah, yeah. Grand Inquisitor to be like, you're fired. We'll deal with you later. Um, so it all sort of comes to a head in this chase. And, you know, the thing that I really want to talk about for this episode is Obi-Wan using the Force for the first time in an active way. I, I you know, I'm not sure if it's the whole 10 years, probably not, but my goodness, what a powerful moment. Um, the way it's acted, the way it's directed, the fact that it pains him, and the fact that you get the idea, like, I think a lesser version of this story, a simpler version, an easier version would have been Obi-Wan just like, oh, no, I don't want to do this because I can't be seen, you know? Obi-Wan doesn't want to do it because he's afraid that he might not be able to mm-hmm. at this point. It goes all the way back to Mace Windu with the ability to use the Force has been diminished and how that doubt sort of seeps into the minds of heroes like this and how belief, everything going all the way back to 1980 with, you know, I I don't believe it. That is why you fail. He doesn't believe, but he needs to. It's what Bale says in the first episode. You need to be that guy. Yeah. Um, And for him to save her, just cushioning her fall, that one foot is such an emotional breakthrough. It, It took me to The Last Jedi and this, this notion of cutting yourself off. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think 
Well, the way I see that Obi-Wan scene in my head, I think of a rusty faucet that's not been turned on for 10 years. Yeah. And you think about like the, the handle is stuck, right? And it's, it's pure pain for him to try to get it unstuck. And like, that's this visual I have. And I, it takes me back to Luke when, when he's turned the force off and he goes over to the stone and he tries to reach out to Leia. And it, if I remember the scene correctly, like he, like Mark has like stress on his face. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not easy to go back to it. And to me, that is like a sort of visual and like thematic language that I'm so glad connects so well. Um, because like in a lot of ways, you know, Octo Luke and, and Obi-Wan now are very similar, right? Um, they're sort of, they're hiding, right? And they're, they're done. And both and, because they think it's the best right. for everyone else for what's yeah. going on. And, and for both of them to open up, that pain is, you know, it's the stress of having physically not performed these acts because, you know, we know that even Yoda, you know, at 900, like it still takes a lot of focus to move that mm-hmm. X-Wing, you know. When he says like there's no difference between the X-Wing and the rock or whatever, like it doesn't mean that he can willy-nilly just flip it around. Like mm-hmm. it still takes a lot of focus, but, but in the soul and the mind, your heart, the force is about surrender and it's about opening yourself up and knowing that it is always happening, that it is penetrating you, that it is living in you. And it's terrifying for Obi-Wan to allow himself to feel that mm-hmm. he thinks that he can just tap into it or, or he, he hopes, you know, that he can say like, Master Qui-Gon, I need you and Qui-Gon will do the work. And it's like, you, you have to open up on your end. Yeah. Um, and this is the beginning of that process. And it's, it's scary because it's like, as he expand, expands upon and the next one, like since being a toddler, a baby, even um, he's been raised with this thing that was always there, this light that made you feel comfortable and safe. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't. And so it's like, can I trust myself to trust it? Yeah. Um, it was a big step. Yeah. And it's, and it's again, just played, played beautifully. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, there's, there's several moments throughout the three episodes where I'm like, I'm just so happy for you and right now. Like, I'm just, I'm just so, I'm so thrilled for him because it's like, it must be so gratifying to be able to, to come back and do this. But, but yeah, I think um, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just so well done because it's like, it's, you see the pain, you see this, the fear, the, all that. And it's all pushed by necessity, right? Like, and, and sort of like you were talking about the planet itself, like Leia doesn't know if she can trust him. He doesn't know if he can handle her, like all that. But they're all being, they're being forced to be together by this mm-hmm. world, by these bounty hunters, by the inquisitors, by the inquisiting people, um, you know, like, <laughs> people. Oh, and, so and just like the, the fact that it is literally everything against them is pushing these two people who are pretty, pretty much afraid of each other um, together. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's such a major scene. And it, it, it is, it is funny that like, <laughs> it's predicated on the fact that Leia plays like screw this guy I'm gonna jump <laughs> right yeah. like um and yeah and the fact that he he breaks through and and does it and and yeah it's it's just good it's special it's a special thing and I think it's one of those also things like again going back to the last Jedi I remember talking to people who didn't like it and we we talk for example about the crate walkers the, the big guys and um uh, uh, m6 yeah M6. and luke luke facing them now yeah and and i remember talking to him like talking to this one guy and i was like what did you like what were you hoping would happen in that scene and he's like oh i like i wanted luke to like flick his finger and they all go like down like dominoes 
And I'm like, okay, I can see why you would want that. But I feel like what, like what informed you into wanting that? And I feel like it's things that sort of lost the point. Right. It's things like video games and, um, you know, like power ups and yeah, which I, yeah. When, and don't get me wrong. I love them as an artistic thing. I think they're incredible. The, the 2d clone wars micro series, but they take the force in the stylized form into crazy things. Right. So, so like, for some you can, and, exactly. Yeah. You know, I think people sometimes see things like that and they think that's how it goes. And why don't you just do that? And doing anything reserved is like not cool enough for Star Wars, mm-hmm. where whereas Star Wars in terms of the film universe is like we've never we've never pushed that. Like <laughs> we never pushed badass over spiritual. Like it is about the small moments and it is it is about not showboating. And, and like so I think to have this idea of Obi-Wan using the force for the first time being this almost like kick-ass awesome thing and not this surrender to pain and or not surrender, but like, you know, surrendering to the fear of, or like accepting the fear of, you know, trying to be like, I have to do this. Like there's no other choice. Um, So I think I can, I, I don't know where I I lost the point, but sort of like, I understand if somebody wanted something else, um, but it feels, this feels most right in the way that Luke brushing his shoulder feels most right and not, yeah. not being flashy about it. No, a hundred percent. I mean, I, not to like jump in and be like, this is what you're saying, but like what I, what I'm gathering from what you're saying is like, I think that there is a version and we're all guilty of it. I think over these past 10 years of knowing that new star Wars was coming of thinking like that, this is going to be old man Logan mm-hmm. and that he would be in top form guarding luke waiting bam i'm gonna take out a bunch of raiders like that are coming after the farm like there's a version of that that could have been compelling but this is so in line with everything from new hope up through the sequels you know in rebels like that those choices like you said like that star wars chooses to be reserved it chooses to be kind it chooses to be small the the grand power of the force is not ripping the star destroyer out of the sky even though that's fun like no one's saying that power fantasies are not fun that's why they sell Mm -hmm. Um, but the grand power of the force is 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 let go luke like that's all new hope is it's let go luke qui-gon and maul mostly gets decided in meditating versus seething yeah that's that's where the, a majority of that fight is is in mm-hmm. Qui-Gon taking the decompression and Maul staying in the and that tracks all the way to his death like that's where Star Wars is like the Clone Wars animated the canon Clone Wars animated series even you know putting Tartakovsky aside has grand feats of super heroics yeah but yeah. the tension is always in the smallness mm-hmm. and it's always in the characters like I when I think about the clones in Clone Wars and I'm going to use this to segue into the clone uh, there we go. Uh, scene here. Shout out moment. Uh, uh, when I think about the clones and Clone Wars, there's lots of cool, unequivocally badass things that they do. But when I think about who they are, you think about like the colors of their armor and like the friendship moments that they had and Yoda early on telling them to take off their helmets and like that they are, that they're luminous beings too. Like yeah. that's what Star Wars is, um, which is why uh-huh, it was so cool and awesome with a crowd to see Tamar Morrison as a 501st. A bl- 501st, yeah, it had the blue. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, as a 501st clone. Which is the extra stab. Which is the extra, yeah. yeah. It's just mm, it's yeah. an extra little twist. Brilliantly performed by the two of them, even though it's a 
short 30 second interaction, if that, uh, the horror on Ewan's face, but also there's an acknowledgement from Obi-Wan when he sees this clone that he didn't ask for his part in it either. Yeah. Yeah. We were all used and who knows what Obi-Wan knows at this point, you know, 10 years down the road, who knows if he knows about a chip or who knows if he knows, uh, who knows if he's had contact with, you know, if Rex has talked to Bale, has talked to Obi-Wan, like who knows? Right. Right. He knows enough in his heart to just empathy. Can I say it? Go ahead. The Jedi code is like an itch. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it cannot help it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's what it comes out. That's again, why it's such a great speech because it's right. Mm-hmm. And like, because Obi-Wan in his heart is good. Yeah. And he sees a struggling man and he puts it behind him and he gives him the credit, right? Like it, it does break down that simply. And um, and because we're not, it's the classic, we're not so different, you and I. Like, that's you too, dude. Like, you're veterans of the same war. Yeah. You're both beyond your prime and squalor, bad shape, living in fear, not knowing where the next meal is going to come from. Like, Obi-Wan doesn't get food, like, doesn't sneak food from the job for himself. He gets a little bit for the EOP, and that's it. Like, I'm, I'm glad that came up because, yeah, thinking back on like little moments of episode one, I love that. Yeah. Just sneaking a little bit. For the, for the animal piece for the animal yeah. every day like it's all it's life is bad you know he's not yeah. even in his hut he's in a cave you know he hasn't yeah in the hut yet so to see this clone like that you know just saying can a, a, you know help a, a veteran get a warm meal it's like yeah it's great to see tem play a clone and i think he said in an interview it's the first time he ever wore clone armor mm-hmm. it was always cg in the prequels yeah um it's a great moment and and again like you said to, for it to be one of Anakin's and one of the one of the ones that directly went at the temple, mm-hmm. you know, and they they are the ones who Obi Wan and Yoda are cutting up to get to get inside, right? Yep. Like it's it is a somebody. I want to give someone credit. It's, it could be just as likely that that's the only clone armor suit they had, yeah. you know, like on set. Could be just as likely, but I do also want to believe that somebody knew the significance. I do of think that. that you're onto something though with that because I believe this is the first time that Pablo Hidalgo has his new credit. Did you see that? Oh, lore advisor, I think. Lore advisor, yeah. Which is a, like obviously Pablo's been at this for twenty years. He's right. not new, but lore advisor is a new official credit mm-hmm. so i'm wondering if they have now made him what people sort of thought story group was for a while yeah which was the stand over there and then let us know if you have something right so, you know right so it might be that situation of oh it'd be great if it was a blue stripe because of this yeah um but it you know i guess we'll find out when they do the gallery uh that'll be fun on this special um so aside from that uh i do think that haja getting involved in the fight is a great moment and choosing good setting us up on our path for episode three is a great moment because you're like when haja says not if we get to him first you're like oh even he's gonna try to screw but then you realize oh no it's because he saw that it was a real jedi and wants to help Mm -hmm. um he's part of this um This new, this little system. This path. That's, that's going, yeah. The yeah. way. Great yeah. set up for that storyline. But uh, but episode two ends on a nice bombshell for our man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you got to talk about that ending. Talk to me about the buildup here, this whole scene of them getting to this automated system that Haja sends them to. It's going to take you to Mapuzo. It's it's a not a liner. It's just like a, like a hauler. Cargo. Like, yeah, something a cargo yeah. hauler, yeah. yeah. It's a cargo hauler. Um, they can sneak in there. Reva gets to them. And Reva, 
who, by the way, does have a last name, which I think you told me about or somebody. Ooh, it's I may have Savander. read it, but I don't remember it. Yeah. Savander. Savander. There we go. Um, Reva, lightsaber out. Did you think that he was going to ignite his? I did. It would have a brief tussle. I did. Or I thought he'd turn it on at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but that whole scene was a... Is it, is it right to say subversion of expectation? Like it, it, it was constantly playing with what I thought was going to happen yeah. um, and surprising me. So like, yeah, he takes out the lightsaber and it's like, oh crap, is this going to happen? Um, no. And then, and then Reva drops the bomb. Mm-hmm. That is Lord Vader will be happy. <laughs> will, you know, is looking for you. And then yeah. Anakin Skywalker is alive. Which and Moses Ingram plays that. Because it's like those three layers, right? It's the Lord Vader. Oh, you didn't know? Mm-hmm. Because and it, Five, yeah, <laughs> and it and it starts with Obi Wan, oh, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like she's she's here again. It's dark side is perfect because the dark side shows off mm-hmm. at the at their own expense. Again, again, not to litigate another movie, but this is why I love. Just let them run out for fuel. Let them run out of fuel. We'll catch him. Like the, the dark side showboats instead of just scoring. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, that's, what's so fun about it. And, and then we were sitting there, you know, as fans just baffled and contemplating this notion of somebody else knows it's Anakin. Yeah. Cause they, cause um, then it's, it's a twofold. He's alive. Then Anakin Skywalker right. lives like, like you can't even, because process. you're Obi-Wan, you can't process. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's very different to a novel. I had a lot of love for as a kid. Um, when that dark Lord of the Sith, uh, Vader novel, like just at episode three came out mm-hmm. and the epilogue is the Obi-Wan in the cantina. And he sees the man in a suit on the holonet and he gets the feeling from this. He sees it and he gets this feeling through the force and yeah. it's, it's very different um, to how he's confronted with it here because, yeah, it's just like, it's, it's, uh, it's obviously he's in danger. Like he wasn't in right. danger in the novel. This is, also, um, this is one degree of separation. Yeah. She knows him and so do you. It's, the hollow right. is so impersonal. Right. Yeah. It's was, it was like something that happened. If he wasn't there, he wouldn't know kind of thing. Um, and, and whereas this is so intentional. And it's used to uh, Right. And, and throw him off his game as it does. And, and yeah, it's, it's harrowing. And, but then of course, you know, we're, we've got this notion of how does Reva know? Like right. nobody's supposed to know. And, and it's um, like that again, order 66 flashback. Like, did she physically see Anakin Skywalker? Yeah. Someone that she would have known who the chosen one was living there. Um, yeah. Cause even I Lord Vader, cause I saw him. Yeah. Even watching, watching that for the first time, because we'd heard this idea of Hayden as Anakin through flashbacks or whatever. Um, I was wondering if he would come in and like kill that master or like guarding. Them. So like, yeah, these are all things that are like swimming around in our head, like trying to, trying to like parse this. And that's, this is why I think, you know, Riva, Riva as a, um, a character is going to be so exciting to unlock over the these last three episodes because yeah because yeah it's it's one of the great questions right now of of why does she know like did vader tell her does she see him like it's 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 just really cool and then it it sets obi-wan off and grand inquisitor comes i guess it's a nice shank for his troubles (laughs) after again i i got this i highlighted again 
I love that. I can stand the stench of your ambition no longer. Yeah. I have to get the exact wording, but yeah. he is becoming quickly one of my favorite quotable quotable guys. He's um, really good. He's really which he good. He already was. I mean, he's very quotable in Rebels. And yeah. Great. And he's a great example of much like I, I used to use, and I still do, uh, Hayden and Matt Lanter. Like, mm-hmm. Matt Lanter does not sound like Hayden. No. But he sounds like Anakin. Yes. And that doesn't sound like Jason That's Alex. what's important. Yeah. yeah, people forget that. Yes, um, that this is the whole Anthony and Gruber thing, right? Where it's like you can sound like Harrison, but can you be Han? And Alden Ehrenreich was Han. He was Han, right? Like doesn't have sound like yeah, Harrison. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's what's so cool about it, and I I, I love this. I think Rupert Friend takes like this like haughtier like register with him. Yeah, and I think that's just so funny, especially because he has a cape like in, in live action. Yes, right? yes. <laughs> Like and, it, and his pants are puffy. Yeah, it's it's funny and it's good. Um, and he, and he gets, does a little mouth snarl, the little yeah, hmm. <laughs> yeah. And he high society. He gets so stabbed in this episode, <laughs> and that's a, that's another like, oh my god, <laughs> what are you what are you doing? And then, um, so you you're trying to process Anakin Skywalker. Well, watch Obi process it. Inquisitor dies supposedly uh they run off onto this hauler they leave and poor little leia's like ben like yeah you good and then oh, the hard Anakin. cut that sent the place Anakin. roaring oh my god never has an image that we've seen before felt so new and worse yeah like it's like it's it's one of the weirdest applause lines i've ever experienced because it's not good Right, like, like we're we're celebrating obviously the return of Hayden, the introduction of Darth Vader into the story um, as fans. But when you when you bring it back and you watch it, it is pure horror mm-hmm. to see his face like that and his eyes like that, and in the back to with the mask and all that. Like it's there's nothing celebratory about it. Which is which is what is so wild and and it's got that again to to Natalie Holt's credit, which plays into the third episode as well. She doesn't play with your Imperial March that much. No, um, she gives this new, very raw, like two note exchange for Darth Vader, mm-hmm. and it's there's something about it that's just so mean and sinister and i think is just a perfect way to tell you this is how he's gonna be in uh in this series yeah i agree i was just uh before we move on from this episode i looked up flea's character's name it's a uh, vect no crew so shout out to vect you died there we go. at the hand of the helicopter saber um but yes I, I agree with everything you just said i mean that that two notes those tones um the way that this is a vader i mean people have said like oh rogue one is prime vader and it is like he's been at it at that point for a long long time but this is sort of you know he's still metaphorically on fire like this mm-hmm. is still this is yeah this, this is, is the vader that scares me mm-hmm. rogue one no yeah rogue one is more like like he knows it's almost like he knows who he is kind of thing he's he's cracking the be careful not to choke on your aspirations right yeah, like he's so solidified in the job that yeah. vader by the time of rogue one probably never um even considers for a second that he might still be in there somewhere. Yeah. This is Anakin. 
yeah, he's, I've learned how to walk. I've learned how to do this again with my body, but I am, I mean, we see it. I mean, we're about to talk about episode three, but this is the guy that's like, first chance I get, I'm lighting your ass on fire. Like yeah. he's, <laughs> it's personal. Nothing, nothing in Rogue One is personal. No, and he it is. shouldn't be. It's not an insult. Right. Um, no, that's it's that just scene. that point of the story. Yeah. Um, and what his role is in that story. Uh, again, he's not a huge part of that movie, no. but um, it's like, yeah, like, yeah, the hallway is sort of raised as this pinnacle of this is what Vader's capable of, um, which in a way, yes. But is that really, is the hallway scarier than what we see in episode three? I don't yeah. think so. That's um, why I always resent and like, not stick us down a whole rabbit hole, but whenever I see the the Luke hallway and the Vader hallway paired together, mm-hmm. it's like, it's cool visually and that's it. Like, yeah. Whenever They're not linked in any yeah, way. Like, oh, like father, like son. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Or it doesn't mean anything. Cool tweet. It's just cool visuals. It's a cool tweet. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool, yeah. it's a cool thing to yeah. put them, like the side by sides. Like, of course they were thinking about it, you know, with the visual parallel, but that Vader hallway scene says nothing about Vader's character outside of the fact that the dark side always fails because he doesn't get the plans. And yeah. We know that he's going down that hallway to lose in the next installment. Right. Um, he's just chopping away. Scene. He's a job in a way. Scene is yeah. about character. Because yeah. a baby, a 50-year-old baby, but a baby reached out to be rescued and Luke showed up because mm. that's what Jedi do. You know, that scene means something. Yeah. Uh, Vader's is horror for the sake of horror, but we know that the plans are about to get off. Like that scene is cake. No, that, 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 no. that scene is icing on cake. Right. You know, right. the third act is cake. Um in a good way. I'm never going to decry the Vader scene in Rogue One. I cheered. Like, you know, I thought it was it's, cool. Like, yeah, no, it's a great part of that movie. Yeah, um, but this but is- yeah, and it, it's it's cool. Again, like we talked about horror. Like it is Gareth saying, can I do a little bit of horror now? Like, like, mon- like can I make Vader the monster? Yeah. Um, and it's like, it works for that. But it's like, when you break it down in terms of how we're now processing Dark Times Vader as a character. Right. It doesn't do anything. Like it, it, it's him in his day job. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to do something whereas we're gonna now see him in this thing where his motivation like as we talked hoping with Riva is personal and petty personal to the most degree possible yep. like there's nobody else in the galaxy that's gonna affect him the way this guy is that he's yeah. aware of I think it continues the great job that new canon has done, whether it's Kieran Gillen and Charles Soule and Greg Pak and everyone on the comic side, whether it's the the stinger at the end of the Clone Wars of him picking up Ahsoka's blade. Mm-hmm. Like new canon has firmly sat in the it is one guy um, yeah. territory way more than I think Legends. And I think in an interview, Hayden said the same thing. Yeah. I, I don't remember where it was, but he was like, He's like, I see them as the same, which I think is, was a, at least I think a fandom discussion of like, in what regards can you separate Anakin and Vader? Mm-hmm. And I think like, to your point, it's becoming clearer and clearer. You just don't yeah, like yeah. Vader. Vader is the manifestation of all of Anakin's worst, worst aspects uh, and, 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 and that, impulses and failures impulses and, and everything that he'd been through and done. And I mean, it, it adds, I think, to because people, you know, have always gone to to Obi Wan, the original trilogy, of rationalizing it in his mind as Vader killed Anakin, and it's like, mm-hmm. but that's not a thesis on what happened. That's someone who knew him trying to deal with it and knowing he needs to die 
and, and, sep- and trying to separate the emotion. Trying to help his son get through it too. Right. Yeah. 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 Like that's, yeah, that's not an, that's not an answer. The only answer is rega- in regards to Obi-Wan already. So yeah. That's how it's, Obi-Wan um, sleeps at night. Exactly. You know, considering them as these different beings. Mayfeld know. would be very proud of him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine like a, like a young Mayfeld in the background while Obi-Wan was on fire? Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus like <laughs> i need to go join the sharpshooter division yeah i'm out of here over here burn like a bagel like <laughs> yeah yeah no but yeah this is yeah we are in we're in like we're in deep with darth yeah. vader i think like it feels like the deepest we have ever been in with him and and like that's why episode three is opening is is haunting because it begins with the intercut of yeah it begins with the reach out to qui-gon meditation right and he he can't reach him and this one's different right because and before obi-wan was like you know if i ever master are you there hello Hello, right ever needed advice or guidance yeah and now it's like master he's coming like that alone was like just terrified me um because again it's this boy that you raised is now the boogeyman yeah and like it's one of those things again like just simple storytelling coding our hero is scared right Mm -hmm. like that's enough um and he's scared of someone we know very well right um so yeah that opening and then you're seeing the suit being put together and it's it's horrifying and the skin is all freddy krueger and you know it's like it's it's just really well done and then james takes the (laughs) Takes a seat. <laughs> yeah. Gets to work. <laughs> yeah. He, he's there talking to Reva. That's where you get the third sister. Um, yeah. Which is fantastic. That whole scene about her ambitions, seeing Vader um, on Mustafar, which, you know, most people that are watching this have probably seen Rogue One, but maybe it is your first time seeing his Mustafar castle. And like the symbol of that can never be um, skipped over, I think, because it's so cool. Uh, and it's such a goth, sort of mythic, brutal, sad way that his fortress would be where he was created, mm-hmm. um, where he was forged into what he is. Which the monument to his pain yeah, and sins. Just, yeah. Just like, like, it's just... <laughs> you see that little lava shore right yeah. over there. <laughs> um, now, they get to Mapuzo, um, and... You know, I've been saying, are there moments of characters that stick out to you? Uh, we will get to uh, our character, uh, Tala, later on. But there is another character who has taken the internet by storm. Uh, for, <laughs> for the, the wrong, wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who has already, in one week's time, become a Star Wars internet meme infamous. Y'all, don't be like this guy. Do not be like <laughs> Freck. Freck. Do not be like, oh, actually, hold on, real quick, I will just say moments before we get into Frank, uh, seeing Hayden in the Anakin costume, oh even, at a, even at a distance was... <laughs> and like, how did you feel about that, seeing loved that? It. Loved it. I thought oh, it was... In what way? Why did you love it? I loved it because I think that it's it's twofold. In world, it's like he's seeing the Anakin that he faced, the Anakin that he killed. Um, because I, I interpreted sort of that hood up sort of slow turn as being kind of Mustafar. Yeah. Um, and so I think it is, it's facing the young man. Like, I don't think that he has the picture of what and who Vader is mm-hmm. to project out of his own mind at this point. So I think it works on that level 
but also just on the on the other side of that, seeing Anakin not destroyed and everything is sort of the reminder, I think, thematically of coming back to I am what you made me. Obi-Wan sees this young man that and he took that from him. He had yeah. to, but he did. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of conflict going on in seeing him. When I saw it, I only felt fear. Yeah. Right. Like I was like, it was almost like a scary moment to me. To me, it almost read like seeing the devil in the desert. Right. Like, like to me, like it's a, it's great seeing Hayden like in that costume. But when I, when I first saw it, I was like, that's actually kind of terrifying. Like that's terrifying to me right now. And the fact that Um, broad daylight is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like, it's, yeah, it's like a ghost haunting him. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's, it's again, it's weird. It's, it's kind of how, how I felt about the end where it's like episode two, where it's like, there's this thing that we're like really happy to see when I look at it in terms of the story, Oh, in the story, I, it's not, ha- it's not making me happy. No, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're hundred percent right. Like in, yeah. in the story, like getting an Obi-Wan's head, everything that I just said, but on top of that, the way Ewan plays it, the way it's directed and shot, it kind of goes kind of Dutch angle on Ewan's head. Yeah. And it kind of turns and you can tell that this is sort of out of body for a second. Like people online have said, oh, the Anakin Mirage. And it's like, well, mirages happen to people in the real yeah. world. This is more than a mirage. Like yeah. it's, it's guilt being manifested through the force. It's fear being manifested through the force. And, and it is, like you said, I love that you, you brought up, like it is like the devil in the desert. Like it makes me think of like, not that it's similar to Midsommar, but part of what Ari Aster was aiming for with Midsommar was it's easy to do horror in the dark, like yeah. to do horror yeah. in the daytime uh, and to do it all bright. And it's like, right. even here, open space around us, little girl next to you, supposedly heading toward a safe haven meetup of some kind mm-hmm. and you still can't escape what you just found out extremely powerful uh so then obi-wan of course is letting his anxieties out on leia with the people are not all good and everything but he can't really deter her optimism especially not after the, the speech which i did touch on earlier but he does the whole uh you know her he says like that's not how it works with the force mm-hmm. and he gives her the explanation of and they share a really nice moment in, in fixing lola Fixes Lola and then <laughs> that's that's another thing from said too, right? Where he's like, she's like, no, he, she's broken. He's like, good. <laughs> like, she's not gonna make any noise. And then she's like sad, and now he fixed it for her. Yeah, um, it's gross. So yeah, it's it's, an, it's just again, it's more like, am I watching this? Like, am I watching I these that. two like talk to each other? <laughs> I love that so much, and I I love obviously the connections to prequel Obi Wan of like he's not anti droid, but he definitely does not treat them with the most respect. Right, um, not like Anakin does, surely. Like, remember in Clone Wars, there's like at least two occasions where Obi Wan's like, well, R two was great, but I guess he's gone now. Like, yeah, <laughs> you didn't um, wipe his memory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that whole arc. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah. but him just doing the, you know, what does the force feel like? Well, have you ever been afraid of the dark? Yes. How does it feel when you turn on the light? I feel safe. And he's like, well, it feels like that. Knowing that it was saving her from falling to her death that made him feel that safety is really, really sweet. Yeah. Even if it is fleeting because, you know, her real dad is uh, looming <laughs> over <laughs> everything. So now we flash to Frank. Is this Leia's first unequivocal l (laughs) yeah yeah and again you know it's a good give and take though right children like like she's trying to see the good right and and that's the thing right like you can't have leia constantly undermining obi-wan right like you have to teach the lesson back to her has to teach lesson and Um, also he needs to see like she needs to be wrong mm -hmm. to learn 
but she needs to do it because he needs to remember to yeah. choose optimism sometimes. It's a really, again, like it's a really good way in which the, the paradox of each other mm-hmm. is, is pushing them into the same place, right? Like, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's going to be... does not advocate for badass cynicism. Like it wants you to choose friendship. It wants you yeah. to believe that people can be better. Mm-hmm. It wants you to look to the stranger and ask for help and yeah. come together, different kinds of people. So you see this mole man, he's pretty all right. It's Zach Braff. Come on. You look, you look at his bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. He's literally like, yeah, Zach Braff showed up. He was like, hey, what's up? And then he's got a Trump, Trump sticker on his truck. Right? That's exactly like, what it was like. <laughs> and then Obi-Wan's like, okay. And like, it seems workable. And then he stops and picks up a bunch of bootlickers. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of I just, I, Again, just because the the farmers from Tall is is now like a meme. It's so funny. At least in here. Shout out to Leia, the way she just nailed all that. She's like, I'm Luma. This This is is my my father, Gordon. We're farmers from Tall. And she's just so perfect. Oh, you know what one of my favorite lines with them is? Is, uh, now remember, you're my daughter and you don't talk. I can't talk or I choose not to. You don't talk. Yeah, (laughs) it's so good. And, um... And then, yeah, Obi-Wan doesn't want to get in. And then she's like, come on, father, we walked enough. <laughs> it's like she's, she's such a princess and also smart. And it's just yeah. like, dude, you've got no chance when she's, when she's on it. Not at all. These are the early makings of the woman who would, you know, into the garbage, you fly boys. Like, this is the exact energy. She just doesn't have the, like, later on, she says, Can you teach me to shoot? Like, once you give her that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Leia, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, But yeah, Freck. Freck is, Freck is a nightmare. Extremely, extremely, extremely important. For so many reasons. Freck is. For now. Yeah. It's like Freck is holding the mirror up to society. Mm-hmm. And you, in a lot of these stories, yes, you all look like a dumb mole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why you should have worn the masks. Um, but it's like, you always sit here in these kind of stories with star Wars or whatever. And when, when there's a bad thing in charge and it's always like, well, how did that happen? Right. Like how did, how did, how was this allowed to happen? You want to, you look at recent struggles with democracy around the world and you want to say, how's that happening? And it's happening because there are a lot of frecks in the world. And I forgot who it was. It's someone with Disney, someone connected with Disney. It's like Bruce, some Bruce Wright, I think. It was Bruce Wright. Yeah. I'll pull it. Um, he summarized it perfectly where it was like, you know, Freck, Freck has watched his planet be taken apart by the empire. He's Toby watched one has that great line. about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's watched the neighbors be taken away. He's watched all this happen and he's chosen to make friends with the, with the stormtroopers and make it, it, that flag is homemade on his truck. And he yeah. wants, and he's chosen order at the cost of his home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, Bruce Wright, who is the uh, effects animator on Encanto. There we go. And directed uh, the kite's tail VR short for Disney. Yeah, so he, uh, he has a great tweet, and Nikki basically summarized everything, but he says it's deeply terrifying in the way that only ordinary people can be. Yeah. Um, he says, you know, you, you touched on those about the planet, he handmade his flag, and he says the handmade flag tells you he wasn't forced to fly it. The fact that he's an alien, who the Empire has no love for, yep. paints a picture of a person so deeply, blindly willing to do evil so he can have the slightest feeling of power. Yeah. And he compares him to the villain family and get out. 
mm-hmm. these normal people that are like, yeah, I would have voted, you know, a third time. Like if I could have like, like those people, it, it reminds me of that George quote. And I can never remember where George said it. I think maybe Empire of Dreams, but he says, you know, democracies are not taken, they're given away. Mm-hmm. And it's these people. And we've seen, like you said, you know, in Star Wars, we normally see like big evil thing and then small good guy. And we've have seen like in Bad Batch and in Solo, like the small ways that they affect the small good guy, but we never see small bad guy. Not really. Yeah. Like we've had now the expansion of like the stories of the people, you know, like I said, Bad Batch is a great one. Like seeing the way that the chain code stuff started. Yeah. I would say Bad Batch did the closest in terms of the crowds were cheering the stormtroopers in the streets. That's true. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's kind of like that, but, but never as personal as Freck. Yeah. Never somebody with no blaster, no armor, no stake. Just a driver. And nice. Just a driver. He's a nice, nice. He's nice to them. He's like, oh, he's nice, to, in. He's nice to the troopers. Yeah. He says, don't worry. I know these guys. But then he tries to help the troopers by saying, I think that they're, I think I got a couple of strays, a couple of suspicious. Check them out. Check them out. Yeah. And it's like, dude, for what? What are they going to give you? Cause you're next. You know, like yeah. it's always the uh, oh well, it can't happen to me. You know, that's what yeah. the, that's what the mole people of Mapuche. He would have got he would have got a high five, and he would have driven off and been like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> right? Like that's. And then two weeks later, they would have been like, "Actually, Freck, we have our own truck coming through here now. Yeah. You're out of a job." Or they just shoot him. Don't walk into that laser beam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's so Star Wars doing right now. Um, that it needed to be seen and it needed to be experienced and Leia. addressed in our world, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what it looks like. Yeah. A lot of people do use Star Wars for escapism, which we all love, but it's like sometimes you got to hold the mirror up. Yeah. And, and a lot of people important. fundamentally either misunderstand it or willfully misunderstand it or yeah. willfully spin it. So for Star Wars to once again, like I saw a tweet. Um, from somebody who I'm not going to name them because I don't, it's not a problem. I really like this person's work. They're an artist, um, a comic book artist. And they said like post post mouse Star Wars became decidedly more moderate and less political. And I just mm-hmm. completely disagree with that. Like, yeah. is there less upfront politics in the sequels? Yes. Is, you know, there's no taxation or traitors in Force Awakens. Like we get that. But the ideals have never changed and they are still so prevalent. Well, that's also like politics is muddier now. Mm-hmm. Right, you don't have America versus the Soviet Union like you did in, in the original trilogy era. Like things are weirder. There's things no are um to put into your battle metaphor. Well, and and like the so much of um politics now and the sort of assessments of security, at least before the <laughs> invasion of Ukraine, were non-state actors, right? People with no flag, people with no border. That that is how sort of modern things are and like, I think that reflects in modernizing how we assess security in Star Wars now. Because like, they, like the First Order is essentially a paramilitary group until they start taking systems, right? So yeah, that, that's not a, I don't think that's a on point. No, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And it's, yeah. it's worth bringing up. And it's something that I've always said, I love that you brought up the First Order is like the Empire is legitimate. Mm. They're evil, but they're legitimate. They, it was a willful transition, as Padme has famously said, that was greeted by thunderous applause. Palpatine tricked the galaxy into a transition. The First Order has no interest in tricking people into a transition. The yeah. First Order is straight up terrorism from day one. Uh, and they just, and they've been working in the fringes and everything. And that's very of the now, too. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that Freck 
like First Order, like a lot of the stuff that's been happening, um, like it seems that Andor will be doing with its story of refugees and, and immigrants is all very now. And I think that it's like you said up top, it's important that Leia learns this, not just for the people are not all good, that Leia Organa, future senator, sees this. Yeah. That Leia Organa, the galvanizer of the small person. <laughs> Like yeah. Leia, who brings together outcasts, you know, not your your good but. your good impulses will not always be rewarded. No, and and trying to do good things for people or be good to people, like, will not always serve you back. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't. You know, yeah, which is yeah. which is the other thing. Like the give and take. It's like yeah, like Obi Wan and Leia are like a two points mm-hmm. at the end of this line, right? And yeah. we have to we have to give them both W's and L's to uh, bring them to seesaw them into the middle, right? Like. That's that's what's so cool I mean, about having them. Think of um, it makes me think of Spider Man No Way Home, where mm-hmm. like even as Aunt May spoilers, uh, even as spoilers for one of the biggest movies. There you of, go. You know, of the past decade, uh, even as Aunt May is dying, and she knows she's dying before Peter realizes what's happening. She says, "We we did the right thing, even though Osborne turned and became the Goblin and everything went to hell. We'd still choose to help mm-hmm. because you still have to." You know, the second that we decide, like, you can't have a freck encounter and then decide never being nice to a mole person again. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Though freck makes a very compelling case <laughs> to not. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's what makes, it's what will make her the leader she'll be. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's knowing it's knowing, yeah, like, you know, you're not going to walk out every time with a smile on your face. Yeah, 100%. So that's uh, addressing pretty much the, the whole, you know, front third of the episode there. And it was... Um, screw Freck. Yeah, Screw Freck. Um, I look forward to him being meme material forever. I also don't think that we've, as a, as a Star Wars community, like, rallied in anger at one character in a long time. Um, like, Dude, you mess, was, with, you mess with Obi-Wan and Leia, you're not going to have a good time in the Star Wars fandom. Bootlicker. <laughs> Zach Braff knew what he was walking into. <laughs> Zach, like, literally, Jason Sudeikis punched Grogu, and Zach Braff was like, hold my beer. Yeah. I'll make them hate me more. Yeah. So then we meet uh, Tala. Mm-hmm. Played by Indira Varma, who we both know and love from Game of Wonderful Thrones. actress. Wonderful. Uh, has one of the best reactionary screams that I've ever heard. It's still burned yeah. into my brain <laughs> from, yeah. from Game of Thrones. Uh, I think that this character is delightful. Uh, and I I was so pleased at this twist. Of Me too. Being. I really was as well. Because that was, of course, the only shot in the trailers was of the walk down the little ramp. Well, yeah, like, ah, oh, Imperial officer. Oh. But yeah, it's, it's so much more. Uh, Tala Durith. Durith. There we go. Uh, just pulled her up here on the old Wikipedia. And yeah, she works um, for this group. Um, she says some people call it the path and they are essentially a network of Jedi safe houses and uh, well safe houses for any force sensitive. She mentions the force sensitive kids and stuff too, but mm-hmm. a Jedi have come through that she did serve for the empire that that's not BS, um, but quickly realized what they were and got out and says, I made mistakes. Obi-Wan says we all made mistakes. And I just thought that and Ned B her droid Ned B the Lord, mm-hmm. I thought that they were breaths of fresh air and so great um, for this particular story. It's um, it was a really good twist on where we thought she was going to be as a character, mm-hmm. and and then yeah, it, it just opened up again this idea 
of is it so hard to imagine you've got friends like yeah like it's again just you know bringing it home that you know the galaxy's in a bad place right now but there are still people willing to do the fight and it felt very sam's speech in two towers right like Mm -hmm. there's there's good in this world and you know we have you got I keep going. And I think that really, it really picks Obi-Wan up when he's in that room. And I mean, he sees Quinlan's name and we know from Clone Wars there, they have, you know, a bit of a, you know, like they, they sort of have that banter with each other. Like this, this idea of past experience, right? Like he's not just some dude across the hall, like they've been on things. And I think there's like, there's good comedy between like Obi-Wan and Cody about like, oh, we got, we're working with Master Voss. (laughs) Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> um, so, like it is a, a a rabble rouser, right? Like, you know, Obi Wan being so straight laced. Yeah, he uh, challenges Obi Wan in in that way, and um, but the the hum- like that just like the pure like love in Quinlan's been here. Like that's the yeah. first time that you've heard a young Obi Wan sort of come. Yeah, out. and like even even just imagine that in our world, like imagine this you know awful apocalyptic scenario where all the podcasters are wiped out. <laughs> but Go but, on. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Awful apocalyptic. Um, but yeah, just imagine the scenario where it's like, you, don't, you know, we're stuck in this world. We don't know anyone. And someone just says, oh, well, this guy from this show, who you kind of know, you know pretty well. Maybe you t- had a few drinks at Celebration. Yeah. You know, a few years ago. Well, he's here. I'm looking at the wood and, wall. I'm like, Brandon from Talking Bay 94. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> like, this idea of, I'm not alone. Like, it must just feel like Obi-Wan must have felt so, like, this rush of, yeah. of light, right? Like, um, and that, especially, that is, especially that is, when you don't know who's out there. And like, he doesn't even... on the ground, too. Yeah. It's, it's not, like... Because him and Yoda chose exile. Does Obi-Wan right now even know if Yoda's okay? Uh, that's a good question. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, you have to assume that... He, he didn't try to talk to Yoda. He's trying he to talk didn't. to Qui-Gon. But you got to assume that... At the end of the, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But like at the end of the <laughs> meeting of like, here's what we're going to do with the babies, Yoda had to have been like, uh, Dagobah, I'm going to. Peace out. Like... Right. He had to like, mention it, right? Yeah, it was like, did he have a heart attack? Or did he choke? Or like, like, yeah. yeah, Yoda's there cooking lean cuisines for himself. And nobody's there to give him the Heimlich. And it's just like, it's like, who knows? It's been so, five it, years since he returned a text. Right. So, it's, yeah, no, it's just like this thing of like, I think Obi-Wan never, you know, he, he didn't know how, who was left outside of probably Yoda. And, um... Yeah, it must have just been like this incredible thing to to see somebody you know and, and they're the okay that, and they're doing stuff. Like to connect it to I was gonna save it for the end, but it's like relevant here. Like my favorite moment of this entire episode is when they're on Frex truck and it's the conversation about family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you knew her, didn't you? My real mom. And he kind of sidesteps that one. Like, I don't need to talk about this. Like, it's just a story. And then, uh, are you my real dad? And it's like, okay, <laughs> we have to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> Which, is, uh, he says, Which he I, handles really well. Beautifully. When he says, I, yeah. I wish I could say I was, but no, I'm not. And then, you know, I'm not even a real Organa this has been her or problem. She, she's like, I wonder, I wonder what he was like. Yeah. Right? I wonder what he was like. Yeah. And like from, from the beginning, like Bale tells her, 
like you are in every way that matters in Organa. But you know, like I'm not adopted, but like every story and every adopted person I've ever known, like it's, it's not gonna you you can have that love, but still those questions. And so for Obi Wan to say, you know, I remember my my mother's shawl, my father's hands, a baby. I think I had a brother, and then to say, and then I found the Jedi. Uh, mm-hmm. I was brought to the Jedi and I found a new family. It's like the prequels are so based in their fall from grace that you don't really get to hear it worded that way. Yeah. I don't think anyone in the prequel era refers to the order as a family. Mm-hmm. It feels so right, but also like, wow, like it wasn't just a brotherhood that was lost, you know, coworkers that were lost. It's family. So when you tie that to the Quinlan realization, this cousin, <laughs> yeah, 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 essentially it's like, yeah. thank God, like the, like the family lives, not yeah. just Jedi. Um, and the fact and, that she says like Quinlan is helping younglings through. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. And um, just again, as, fellow High Republic fans and to shout out to any listening High Republic fans, they put up for light and life in there, yeah. in the carvings. Like, that is just, yeah. that's, that's that, that's that Lucasfilm synergy going. That was Buryaga. <laughs> Buryaga lives. Hey, he, he could physically live that long. He could. Though. You can't say no. You can't say no. Yeah. But yeah, so I loved all that path stuff. I think Indira Varma, I mean, she's a great actress. That that whole performance is very compelling and it, and it gives another face to a different side of the rebellion, right? Mm. The rebellion, as we learned, as we continue to learn, and stuff like Bad Batch and with people like Enfys Nest and the Cloud Riders, like yeah. rebellion is not always capital R, the Rebel Alliance. Right. Eventually, a lot of those cells will unify, and that's the point of a lot of the main arc and rebels, but not always, you know, saw doesn't yeah. become part of that. Uh, we don't know if Enfys does or not, but to add different faces, like we are rebelling in our way and our way is to yeah. help these Jedi change their identities. These four sensitive kids not become what we, the viewer know they become. Yeah. Cause Leia asks what happens to them. And she says, we don't know. And it's like, Oh, we know. You're either becoming an Inquisitor or you're going to become Exegol Juice. <laughs> you're going to be Exegol Goo, which has never been confirmed. But yeah, like, come on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Pal- Palps is working already. No, it's um, it's it's great because yeah, it is. It is like again, just these all you. It's the it's the story of rebels, right? It's it's why the first episode is Spark of Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts small and it starts with people just doing what they can. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful scene. It's nice to see after all this time of teasing Indira Varma in the in the Imperial outfit, knowing mm-hmm. she's actually one of the good guys. Um, so yeah, it's it's exciting, and uh, and then it, it was going pretty well until oh yeah, someone, came, someone shows up. So, <laughs> more Dutch angles and Ewan invisible pain, and then Vader shows up, and this is straight up personal horror show uh of it's awful I, like like it is awful to watch you can perceive the moment that he confirms that obi's there because mm-hmm. he showed up obviously because of the probe but when he confirms that he is near near enough to be affected by this 
music cuts out for a second. Hayden does a classic little Vader turn, a little all all body turn because Vader's helmet does not right. have a neck turn capability. Right. And then he's like, well, you're going to die. Grab some innocent guy. And then another person runs out, snaps his neck. Like it just becomes a, all these people are on you. Vader doesn't need to give a villain speech because he knows Obi-Wan gets it. Mm-hmm. All this blood in the town is on your hands, Obi-Wan. Just like Nari in the first episode. Just like you thought my blood was on your hands, and it, most of it is, you know, my my limb blood is on mm-hmm. your hands. It becomes, you know, Tala gets Leia out, and that becomes the we'll address that. That that's our cliffhanger, you know, mm-hmm. down the hallway until Reva gets there. Um, we didn't touch much on Reva in this episode because it is sort of just the I will get what's mine. Like, continue. I think we, we did it in terms of the character. Yeah. 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 Um, but I just want to address like your cliffhanger is Reva and Leia. We'll see where that goes, but I want to end talking about this, con- this confrontation, um, which is, it's just weird to talk about it. Like it already happened. Like, yeah. Round one, at least. Um, right. Right. I've compared this to their best Ben because it is not mm-hmm. this rematch of the century that Kathleen Kennedy sold, nor should it be. Um, you need that one of pure fear beforehand. He is on the run. He runs consistently throughout this fight. Uh, yeah. He does not want to duel him, but Vader is on a war path. And I will say like my only criticism probably of like the entire show so far, just like, and it's more taste. Like, again, it's not like it's done poorly. It's just, like, do I think that the Mapuzo like physical location is really visually interesting? Not really. Like the town, yeah. the town is cool. The mining stuff is cool. I just feel like they're uh, almost too grand for this, like, someone's backyard you know yeah some miner's backyard but that's hardly a complaint i think it's just coming off of dayu was so like vivid and stuff yeah yeah that that might just be something that i i but I, i'll get over it quickly um but yeah talk me through this and, and sort of where you want to go with this confrontation and it's like <laughs> it's again it's one of those things where it's like am i watching this like yeah. is this is this happening because again it's like uh it's that story we've told ourselves so many times and we're being shown it mm-hmm. and it's like, well, what, what would happen if they saw each other? Would, and, and then your mind is going to Mustafar. Your mind is going to the Death Star, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Vader's mind went to Mustafar too, real quick. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, and again, it's horror for Obi-Wan. Like it, mm-hmm. the, the, the stakes are there because of like, you just know, like, this is, this is his nightmare come back to haunt him. Yeah. Um, and like we, in episode one, we see him having nightmares. Mm-hmm. He's, he's watching, he's watching the prequels. And he's like, Oh God, Jesus. <laughs> but no, he's, uh, he's, he's experiencing these horrors of his past and now it's there manifested in front of him. And, and it's that perfect line. What have you become? He's like, I've become what you made me. And like, that is the worst thing he could hear. Yeah. And right. Like that is why it's genius because yeah. that's what you want to do to your characters. Mm-hmm. What is, what is the worst thing that can happen to them right now? Like this is how you write scenes. You're mm-hmm. like, like everything is do everything in extremes. What's yeah. the best thing that can happen to them? What's the worst thing that can happen to them? And Obi-Wan is just hitting L's right now. Yeah. Right. Like, and it's, and it's, it's Vader, like it's a moment of triumph for him because he, in just the same way Obi-Wan's been dreading this, he's been begging for this. Yeah, right. Like savoring it. And that's, I've, I've seen some discussion of, oh, he had him through the flames. He tells the trooper to go get him. Trooper gets shot and Vader just lets them walk away. And it's like, emotionally, I don't think he's 
I don't think Vader is ready for the chase to be over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, he's, he, he wants to chase now the wounded. And again, what, what did we talk about before? With the dark side. Dark side does not score the goal no. when it's open. Yeah. Right, like, and, and we've seen that with Vader in Rogue One. We'll see yeah. it again here. And that's the thing is that like you could you could make the argument now that Vader is has a one on Obi, but Obi has historically up until this show he was two and zero on him. Mm-hmm. Death Star is not a loss for Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh no, it, it's, it's, Vader got played. Vader didn't exactly. realize what the fight was in A New Hope. Yeah, they they're playing two different, totally different levels. Right, yeah. Vader is I will kill you, and Obi Wan, <laughs> you don't realize that the next generation is right here. Yeah, and that's you know, and I'm immortal, <laughs> and also that. Yeah, <laughs> bye. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. there is that element here, though, of this being Vader's first kind of victory because Obi Wan cannot face him ideologically, can't face him personally, he can't face him physically. He's running from him physically. The only mm. words he can get out are the "What did you become?" which he knows the answer to. But like you said, it's like. Vader is going to finally shoot. It reminded me of the, I failed you, Ben. I'm sorry. I bet you are. Like, <laughs> it's immediately like that. I've been wanting to say this yeah. for so long. Yeah. Um, no, and it's it's like, again, like Bespin is a perfect call because even down to Vader is fighting him with one hand. Yeah. Right. Like it is, it's every, it's every move. It's, it's fit, you know, in terms of storytelling, it's just, it's, it's playing it by the book. Like, it's like, it's telling you everything you need to know. Obi-Wan is on his knees. You don't get your triumphant ignite moment. No, it's fear. And he shows of the force. He ignites it. Yeah. Quickly on a turn. Right. To the point where it almost takes you aback as a viewer. And you're like, Oh my God, it's on because there's nothing triumphant about this. I love those shots of like the first person where it's just like the blade and it's, and it's scary because he could be anywhere. And yeah. like even even Vader's first swing comes from behind, yeah. Right, and um, like again, Bespin Vader loves a jump scare, right? <laughs> like, um, still get that Skywalker flair. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just really well done. It's it's like it tells you everything. It's yeah, just without needing to, and it's so full of dread and and obi-wan being this guy you know talking about new hope his duel against maul and twin sons and his duel against vader and new hope are the epitome of balance and peace and purpose and he's so far from both of them here yeah uh that you know he couldn't make a calculated move if he tried because his maul duel is all calculation his maul duel is i know exactly where he won before the blades were turned on yeah in here, like, he can't even decide if he can look at Vader. Yeah. Because um, you do get the Vader ignites, Obi pulls his saber out, and then he runs. He runs, you know? yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. No, no, never mind, I can't do this. Yeah. Um, and it's great. And then, of course, it's a great build because he has him like in a force choke, and then he knocks out all those combustible I guess they're crystals, but they, like, yeah. I guess like whatever they're mining. And I'm like, oh, is he going to like drag them through the crystals or throw the crystals? At him? And then he lights them on fire. Oh, and I'm God. sitting there as a viewer and I was like, oh, you went to the Shreve Palpatine school of petty. Dude. Make them feel exactly what you felt. Like, dude, it's again, it's like he's been living for this moment. Again, he learned it from his 
new guy, new, new dad. And then, right? like, that, like I said up top, my favorite delivery. Now you will suffer Obi-Wan. Like, <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and I think I was not prepared to um, see how much Obi-Wan was going to get messed up. Ooh, yeah. It was a lot. You He's going to need to spend some time in the uh, Boba's Becta tank. Hi, <laughs> man. <laughs> I owe you some time in my vector tank. Try something new. Um, <laughs> but it really does like, oh, uh, so that's why he has a slower, uh, slower fighting style. Like you could make it like that, that real world. Mm-hmm. Like, let's slow everyone down by injuring him. But it is like, damn, like he thematically speaking, I mean, we talked about like what people have to face and what they, who they really are. And for Obi-Wan to now have face sort of the burns like to really be literally dragged through what he put him through even if it was in the name of good obi-wan has to live with the fact that he couldn't mercy kill him um Mm -hmm. and has lived with the idea that i guess the lava did it for me and he burned but for him to now have to be put through the trial of fire of his own actions of his own inadvertent creation and raising this person i mean it is there's so much going on there that is so symbolically heavy um and i'm you know i never want star wars to be like adult and dark and gritty but like when it needs to be it needs to be and this was one of those moments this was appropriate yeah i mean much like revenge of the sith like this this that moment reminded you like what movie it was following you know Mm -hmm. and i think there's also like tonal things about it that make it so rooted where it's like um I'm actually going to go back to what you're saying about like someone's backyard not befitting the characters, right? So like I think about that and then I also think about how the music used is the music for the show. Again, she she doesn't play with the Imperial March. She doesn't play with the Force theme. And it's almost like taking those things away and putting them in this, yeah, like this little dumping ground, it almost makes it more important that it's about them, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Like I almost think like not having the Imperial March or if the Imperial March was there, you think about the empire, you think about Vader, the big boss, but when you take it away and you just give that two note, you know, rampage thing that she gives him, it almost just to me, like centers it on the fact that this is a broken man who's out for vengeance. Mm. Right. And like, there's something about just rooting it in, these two guys and yeah. divorcing it from star Wars wider. Like, I don't know. I don't know if there's, a, I don't know if there's a point in there, but no, it just it, feels like, point. it feels like, yeah, it's so hyper-focused on it's Obi-Wan and innovator, right? Like, yeah. And that's it. Nothing else matters. The empire doesn't matter. The force doesn't matter. Like it's them. And yeah, there's something like really, something really kind of, Again, just the whole vibe. There's something terrifying about that. Yeah, I mean, like, you're trying trying to think, like, what else could you have done that could have made the point that you're making? And I I agree. I mean, I think that it is sort of, you strip it away and the history is all that you need. What you're carrying in, you know, whether you watch that four-minute prequels recap at the top of the pilot or you're remembering the dreams, you're remembering him seeing Anakin in the field of Mapuzo, that devil in the desert mirage. Mm -hmm. Like, it's all of that packed into this scene. And it's like, 
could you have been cute about it and like played like battle of the heroes during this moment? It's like, yeah, sure. You could have. And like, I would have been like crying about it. I'm sure I would have been like, it's brilliant. But at the same time, like, <laughs> but what did we say earlier when you're reserved? Yeah. What can you, what can you do with that? Like that, that's like the diamonds forged under pressure thing, right? Like when you take it all away and you don't, you don't hit the notes people expect and you make it as small as possible. Yeah. Like you get, you get some real power in there. Yeah. And also just on that filmmaking sort of build out a season level, this ain't it, you know, that, that full one will probably have a triumphant version of Williams as Obi-Wan. Theme, yeah. You would imagine duel the fates perhaps yeah. they've been, cause they've been using that. I mean, that's in their thing. Yeah. Big time marketing. Um, yeah. It's, it's again, it's fascinating. We're at the halfway point already, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's like, where, where the heck's it going to go? And obviously Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan escapes as we know, um, yep. Ned, Ned B, B. and, uh, Ned Tala B. lifts them up, help out. Um, and they go, they're going to Jabim, which is a cool legends reference. Um, right. cause Jabim was really big, uh, Clone Wars battle. Like the battle of Jabim was a big, mm. I think, I think it was in comics. Um, a big arc and i think it was a, a, a place that obi-wan had a like big story in so it's kind of cool that they're using it for obi-wan now um yep. but and now our question is how can they save leia yeah so we, we got leia on the table we got how does obi-wan take what happened now with vader and come back again and face him again because we know that's going to happen and we got to know there's also the obi-wan once thought as you did and mm-hmm. you know we know there's things that are going to come and i think uh what's exciting about that line from return of the jedi is of course something dave filoni's talked about with twilight of the apprentice and that luke can be the only one to get to him mm-hmm. right um he's like i couldn't do it with ahsoka in those episodes because it had to be paramount for luke and so now to know that obi-wan could approach vader in this series still try to give him a chance and to know that he's gonna get shut down <laughs> like it's it's horrifying and it's amazing and it's exciting like i can't wait to see it and yeah it's it's just incredible it's incredible what these three episodes have have brought to the table well, because it's this interesting sort of like win and loss emotionally where he needs to get to the end of this chapter of his journey, believing again in himself, the force, in, in truly being Obi-Wan Kenobi in here in his heart where it matters and, and believing in the next generation. That's all great. But he also has to have the negative side of more machine than man. He needs mm-hmm. to die. There's nothing left. He has to lose. Yeah. He has to, to lose rationalizing him. him as a yeah. being. So he, you know, he, he hits immense personal gain and immense personal loss, which is a difficult tightrope to walk. But I think that, I mean, so far I had, I had nothing but faith in Deborah Chow. Yeah. Just how are we, how are we going to doubt them after these three episodes? Right. Yeah. It's, and also let me, let me give, cause as a writer, Mm-hmm. I want to. I always want to try to speak up for writers and people. When Joby Harold was announced, because he does not have a huge credit to his name, he doesn't nothing like stand out. I think the only thing I can think of is this King Arthur movie that came out that a uh, guy Ritchie did. I think, mm-hmm. um, and people were like, "Oh my God, we traded the dry, writer of Drive to for Joby Harold," and I was like, "Okay," but shout out to Joby. He's he's taken these ideas. Um, that have been there before and he's given some really great episodes and seems like in interviews seems like just so dedicated and it's just proof of you can't 
just throw someone's filmography, especially a writer. Right. I think director is different, um, but writers, you can't. Uh, and writing is so dependent on project, on things above you, on all sorts of pressures. And, you know, you see things where Craig Mazin wrote scary movie films and then <laughs> wrote Chernobyl. Um, <laughs> That's the best one. Our, you know, our Star Wars fam, Chris Terrio, had Dawn of Justice and then won an, Ar- won an Oscar for Argo, right? Like, you know, it's just, it's all these things. You know, you can't just base a writer off of what they've done. So I want to give that shout out to Joby, but he appears to be doing a great job with uh, guiding the series so far. Hell yeah. The themes first, the characters first. This has been some of the best character-driven Star Wars, I think. Um, this episode, our discussion just now, the episode we just did, ended up being uh, very long, and that was us reining it in. That was us <laughs> down these episodes um, as in-depth as we maybe could have. This was like this was a one-through-three catch-up. Um, now, people that are listening, we will do four, five, six as their own episodes. I'll see who's going to be on for those. There you go. Um, but this has been so awesome, so great. Is there anything else that you could think of that you want to bring up before we get out of here about any Obi-Wan Kenobi so far? I'm sure the minute we hang up, I'm going to say, dang it, why didn't I say that? <laughs> but right now I feel like we hit a really, we had a really good comprehensive talk. Um, I'm just, I'm so thrilled for all these cast members, especially Ewan and Hayden. And I'll put Joel Edgerton in there too. Bonnie Peace is, I think, in here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not really featured yet. But again, it's like, you know, to have these prequel actors go through the experience of the prequels go through the you know largely online critical not great experience of the prequels um because people our age were not writing reviews uh, online and and to finally have the love catch up 20 years later and launch this show I think I'm just so happy for them. They deserve every second of praise and goodwill that comes out of it. So I'm, I'm mostly just like thrilled for them. That's, that's what it comes down to in the end. Like either way, whatever this way turned, whatever this turned out, like me as a fan, I'm going to be seeing some cool Star Wars stuff in six episodes. But for them as people who have lived and breathed the, the feedback of nastiness that is abound in film circles and to have lived with that and to in many ways be the the monkey on their back um to now be in this age of streaming and you know getting really good things done and being able to say you know what, i'm gonna get another shot at that not that not that i think they did anything wrong in the first shot but like they can say i'm getting another shot at that we're gonna blow people away with this um so that's that's super cool for them. And I'm sure there's a million things I still want to say about Obi-Wan and Leia and Bail Organa and Jimmy Smith. And, you know, like I'm sure there's a million things, but for now, since this is a long episode, I'm just going to say I'm happy for the cast. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I think it's just an incredible moment of returning and of things being uh, better down the road because you waited for the right people to grow up. You know, like you indicated, which is trusted in the force. Kind of what Obi-Wan is going through here where he has the next generation sassing him uh, right next to him on this on this journey. Um, But it's that girl in particular who will become the woman and the mother and the general and all these things um, that tie it all together to the bitter end. Like he's he's 
protecting not just the other twin, but he's protecting Han's wife. He's protecting uh, Ben's mom. He's protecting Ray's master. He's protecting, uh, you know, the senator, the, the the future resistance leader. Like That is one point I do want to also leave on. Hmm. The discussion of between Bale and Leia about you are everything and Organa is. Imagine her teaching that same principle, not in the same words, same principle to Ray and Ray to to claim who she is. Right? Man. Right. That's cool, huh? Oh. <laughs> uh, got another. Uh, no, it's, I mean that's going to be a conversation, right? Like it's they finally, I think, have positioned and we talked about it a little bit earlier like those are not questions that we had time to kick around in the original trilogy by nature of the way things were with women in sci-fi fantasy and just the, the time of a movie and all that but positioning leia as this sort of paragon of greatness who is adopted and and has that experience too um to impart that then on her eventual kind of sort of padawan uh, is pretty great so i think for right now we will call this one uh this has been wonderful catching up on one through three after our celebration adventures quarantine misadventures uh indeed so uh, but star wars cures all star wars is cure all i feel good i feel good um I went into this recording thinking, man, is this going to be bad? But it was actually uh, quite good. Um, <laughs> quite good. <laughs> Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, my friend? Well, you can find me farming on toll um, <laughs> with my daughter. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at McQuishus, N-A-Q-U-I-C-I-O-U-S. You can listen to the Imperial Senate podcast at Imp Senate Pod. We just recorded our sort of uh, come down off celebration, a little bit of Kenobi talk as well. Kenobi B slash celebration episode uh, and then a pure chaos episode recorded live at celebration um, so those will be out on the feed soon enough and then you can follow the one and done film club at one the letter n done show it's where myself and alden and our friend reed watch the movies and talk about them at the same time and it's a it's a great little project we got going can't wait to get back into that when the time comes um, and then of course rewatch between worlds which you will find on this very feed uh, the Octo Radio feed where Alden and I are watching Rebels and watching the Rebels recons and having a darn good time doing that. That's right. We're in the middle of, uh, not even in the middle, we're toward the end of season one now of Star Wars Rebels. Uh, it's been a great time and that show is so much fun to revisit and so much of my experience with this obviously is connected to Rebels and we mentioned Twin Sons a few times and we'll get there eventually. Um, Rebels Rewatch is a joy to do. That's right here on this feed. You don't have to subscribe anywhere else. You also can go back and get uh, Tori Fox's and the Mandatorian Creed here on this feed um, and the seasons that she's done thus far up through Book of Boba Fett. Um, so she's represented here as well. To quick scroll down, you'll see her logo has, the, our logos have, they'll have different square colors. And so it's nice and easy to pick them out. <laughs> um, and then uh, as for me personally, you can find me at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z on Twitter and Instagram. And then, yeah, you mentioned One and Done Film Club. As for Octa Radio, everywhere on socials, it's um, A-H-C-H-T-O radio. 
Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. We're on all your podcast platforms. If you want to leave a review, that'd be great. It goes a long way toward supporting the show and helping the algorithms. Uh, scroll down at the description to find links for the Amidala Initiative benefiting Equality Texas um, at Amidala Helps on Twitter, uh, raising money in the wake of anti-trans uh, legislation, anti-trans efforts um, from people out there who do not represent the values of the stories that we love and hold dear and the values that we need in the world. So everyone there in the Amidala Initiative, it's just like started with 77 people or creators in the Star Wars community. It's grown to, I think, well over 100 at this point, people raising money. Check that out. Um, I have some other stuff linked down below, like about Blackout Star Wars Eclipse and things like that. So check that out. But as for right now, for me, for Nikki, we'll catch you next time. Punch it, Chewie.